And now, weighing in, out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. It is time for the midweek edition of the Weighing In Podcast, where we're going to talk about all the upcoming fights. And there are some fantastic fights coming up this week. There's a ton to talk about. We also have some bad news to talk about. We have some sad things to talk about. There's a lot going on in the combat sports world. My man, Josh Thompson, is one a guy that he has known someone for a very long time. Anthony Rumble Johnson passed away at the age of 38 just the other day. And I know that he was an incredibly close friend of yours. He's one of those guys that you could always count on. You may not have seen him for a month, but as soon as you guys got together, it was right back to the way like you never were apart. All I can say is to his family, my most sincere condolences. And to you, Josh, brother, I am so sorry that you lost one of your brothers. Yeah, we we uh we had a conversation earlier with um you know with Showtime and with uh, Bellator and getting together some content to put together for <clears throat> a tribute to him. I mean, I've I've told this story I don't know how many times. He told the story, you know, um when I was doing the show with Sammy and the Punk, he came on with uh, Goldie, and then I had him on again, you know, a couple years later, and we've always been close. And the story is, and I mean, for those of you guys that are new listeners. And even the longtime listeners and subscribers to our show. I mean, he meant a lot to me. And the reason why he meant a lot to me was. <sighs> All right, brother. <laughs> this, these are the things that you, the hardest things in life are talking about someone that you truly loved, that you truly cared about, that you wish you could spend. And this is why I tell people all the time, man, understand time is the most precious thing you have because Tell those people that are out there that you care about. Tell them how much you care about them. Tell them you love them because you never know when you're not going to be able to see them again. Yeah, I mean, like your parents talk about when you're a kid, right? They say, you know, when you're older, you're going to only have like, say, three to four friends. Maybe all the friends you have in your life that you call friends will be on one hand. And you just laugh about it when you're a kid, you know. And, um, you know, AJ was one of those guys that – and I, I, the story that I, I – continue to tell and i'll tell it probably till i die now just because it means a lot to me it was that i walked into this hole in the wall gym in la in shoebox it's called it was in this back alleyway and i was getting ready for a fight i was down there promoting some nightclub with Knox, which is this clothing line here that i was a partner in and that he was a partner in and we were basically just silent partners we were people to help build the brand we didn't put any money in but the guys that did it had, had believed in us in terms of mma and i had never met him before and I walked into this back alley door and I opened as I'm reaching for the door, you know, when you hear someone hitting pads and they're just fucking cracking and you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, you're like, what fucking son of a bitch is hitting the pads that oh, hard? You, it was, you, I, you've got it exactly right. I could hear it just wah, 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 Well, wah. It's, one, like, it's one, it's oh. one of the things is not everyone, not everyone hits hard. Let's just be honest. And one of the things that we would do in the back when during a fight, if you were you were you had someone that was going out for the fight, especially if there was curtains, and you knew that your opponent was, we used to actually hit the the pads together because it makes a great sound and you could do it real fast, and it sounds hard and everything. And 
it's one of those things that when you're listening, you go, holy shit, who's that hitting? Yeah. You listen to AJ hit the pads. He sounded like that actually hitting the pads. Yeah. The guy is it, just blessed with power. It was just like an intimidation. I walked oh. in. I'm like, oh, and it just so happened that he, he was there training at the same time because my buddy Damon, who you know owns Knox with us, or he's the starter guy who started Knox, he, um, he's like, hey, man, he can give you some work. And I walked in, and I was just he's trying kinda, to kill you. I, no, I was I was just watching him hit the pads, and I was like, "Wow, how impressive!" And it, it was a shoot box gym, so I knew, I knew that he had probably had MMA, but I was like, the way he was hitting pads, he looked more like a, a straight boxer or kickboxer. You know, he was kicking the pads as well. I'm like, "Dude, you're impressive." I go, "Hey, you have any grappling?" And he goes, "Yeah." He's like, "I, I got three fights," you know. And I was like, "All right, cool." So I said, "You want to grapple a little bit?" He was bigger, obviously, um, than me, and he understood that I had a fight coming up, and he literally was like, "Hey, let me know." And I didn't know anything really about him. I knew that he was a wrestler. He had some wrestling after we got to talking. He was national champ in NAIA, NAIA. national champ. He was a good wrestler, phenomenal athlete, obviously. The things that he could do on the pads and the mitts. But all of that was not really what impressed me. He was super humble, super nice. He understood that I had a big fight coming up. And he he just flowed with me. He you know, he gave me positions, he gave took positions away, he worked. For somebody that doesn't know somebody else, and you come in and you're training with them, and a guy who's not on a big stage, those guys aren't always the guys that you want to train with. And he opened my eyes a lot to just understanding the importance of, hey, what can I do to to repay you? And I want to thank you so much for just spending your Saturday, you know, and helping me get ready for something you don't you don't know me, you didn't you don't you don't have any skin in the game in terms of ever getting you've never met me before, you know we're not like. We're nothing alike. You're very humble and soft spoken. We're nothing and I'm, alike. And I'm and I'm loud and obnoxious brash. and you know and brash. I'm like I'm that guy. And he just he was very very nice, very humble. And it wasn't even that, John. What it was was we had talked. You know, later let's get some dinner. Let's meet up. And he couldn't make dinner, so we were. I was doing the nightclub promotion, and I said, "Hey, come through. You know, let's you know let's get let's get together tonight. You know." And he didn't drink at the time. You know, he had started drinking later on. You know, casually, never was a big drinker, but he didn't drink at the time. <clears throat> and he shows up to the nightclub in an M and M and M and M jacket. You know what that is? Like those NASCAR, yeah, like the candy M M&M and M. I was like, I was like, oh man! And I just started laughing. I was like, this kid, right? Like whatever. It just. And he tells the story about like, hey, one of the first times, you know, he was out and about it, you know, some events and stuff. He's wearing that exactly this M&M jacket with a straw hat. And he's like from Georgia. He's from this little town called Dublin, Georgia out there, in, you know, in Georgia. And and I just when we got to got to the club. They wouldn't let him in because of the jacket. <clears throat> so I said, well, we'll just check the jacket. And they're like, and I, I said, he's like, I can just put it in the car. So he went and put it in the car. He comes back like, oh, no, no, you got you got white shoes on, Air Force Ones. You can't get in with the club. So then he's like, okay, look, if I can't do that. I'm like, your, bag, your jeans are too baggy, y'all, so you got to pull them up. So he pulled them up. And we started just, and they realized that they just weren't going to let him in. And I'm the guy doing the nightclub promotion. I'm like, what is the problem? And then they just weren't going to let him in. And I had been around like a long, and I was one of those guys, John, I'm going to be very honest with you. When something like that happens, you kind of raise a stink. You raised felt like what the fuck? Like what's yeah. going on? Why like what what's your deal? What's your problem with the bouncers? This this guy with AJ, he was so smooth. He said, Hey man, it's not a big deal. Let's do brunch tomorrow, let's do lunch tomorrow, breakfast, whatever. Just let me know. Hey, it's not a big deal. I'm not a big partier anyways. He he just wrapped it up and goes, Hey man, you guys enjoy your night. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Let's do breakfast. That that right there 
showed me everything. I wanted to be around him every second I possibly could be around him, you know, and I had him come up to San Jose to train at AKA. And I said, look, I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to do whatever I can to make, to get you in. You know, I <clears throat> brought him up. I had seen him train already a little bit. It's a couple small gyms down in LA when I went back down. <clears throat> and shortly after I basically, when he came up to AKA, I had him train with Fitch and Koss and Swick. And Swick was just coming down from 185 to, to 170. And Bob goes, look, he's good. He's like, but, you know, I've got these three guys. He's like, I don't need another 70-pounder. What am I going to do? And so I just, I had no one else to call. I just, I called up Joe and I said, hey, Joe. And Joe's like, you know, Joe and I, we had a little bit of a friendship, Joe Silva. But it wasn't going to get approved through me because my relationship with Dana, my relationship with the UFC at the time was not, was, wasn't the best. And... So I made a couple of phone calls and the, the person that I called was Ken Pavia and everyone knows that Ken had now the Ken now, but back then Ken had some guys, Ken, you know, was helping with Tito Ortiz. Ken was helping with Rob McCullough, Tiki Goshen. He was Phil working Barone. with some guys, you know, Phil yeah. Baroni. He had some guys that, you know, had a little bit of pull. And so I just said, Hey, look, Bob doesn't want to sign him because we've got 70 pounders already. I go, you do me a favor, man. Sign this kid, get him in however you can, whether it's the UFC or any, I said, and he did UFC, right away. And he made one phone call and Joe goes, yeah, yeah, I've already heard about him. Josh called me. He's like, you know, but I need, you know, obviously. And you know what happened? They put him on the ultimate fighter. They wanted to get him on the ultimate fighter right away. But guess who fucked that up? Gabe Rudiger. Because AJ was walking around 190, 195. And he, they were like, look, we just went through the Gabe Rudiger situation where he was losing, had to cut down, couldn't make yep. the weight, was getting colonics or whatever yeah. couldn't make 55 he's like we're not going to go through this again because if he has to fight every week yeah <clears throat> and so they they said look you know we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna bring him on the ultimate fighter he's like just get, make sure he stays ready kid you not within like two to three weeks they called and said hey we got to fight for him against rich clemeni oh no, right no, no 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 that was before he he fought rich clemeni that wasn't his no, first that was UFC, the UFC fight. That was his first UFC fight. No, his first UFC fight was against uh, Chad. I want to say it was against Chad. No, I think it was Rich Clemente. Really? Yeah. And then okay. he got he, he got submitted, I think, in the third. Oh, no, he won it. Won the no, one. He lost to Chad Reiner. Yep, before Rich Clemente. There you That's, go, boom. Ah, ah okay. Because it, it was at the so, Seminole Hard Rock yeah. in Florida, so, Hollywood, Florida. I remember yes. it well because that was the night that uh, – uh, Rashad Evans knocked out Sean Salmon with the head kick. So, okay, so let me let me go back then. So what okay. it was was they called him on two weeks' notice. Sorry, yes. not that it was two weeks later. They yes. called him on two weeks' notice. He goes, yes. hey, should I take this? And I said, Rich is tough. He's good, but he's beatable. And we had this conversation about Rich because that's I remember just that specifically. Like it was either two weeks after they told him no or it was basically two weeks' notice. He had two weeks' notice. To get in there, he had to cut the weight. I think he still missed the weight in this fight. He might, but have. they yeah, he missed it by a couple pounds. It wasn't he, much. He, he came into the Chad Reiner fight, and he he got that fight on like a week's notice. Yeah, he so they told him fight, to stay ready, and he knocked him out in like twelve seconds. Yeah, I mean he came he came out. He threw two left hooks, and it was over. Chad Reiner was out, and it was like, and I remember talking to. Anthony afterwards I said where are you training and he goes well right now I really don't have a place yeah right and I go well just look you pick the spot if there's somewhere you want to go let me know and I'll, I'll help you uh get there by talking to the people I, I know everyone I said 
you need to be training with people. Yeah. I said, you got skills, man. You got power. There was no doubt about the power that he possessed. You could just see it. I mean, it you could crazy. hear it on the pads the day I walked into that 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 gym. It yeah. was just bop, bop, bop. And he was putting the combinations together really well. I just, um after, it was that two-week period where he had that fight with Rich. And there was a little bit of him and a haw and stuff. But in that fight, remember, he dropped Rich in the first round. Yeah. And then he kind of gassed himself out. Second round, slowed down. Just didn't have the the gas tank in him anymore. And uh, he ended up losing that fight. But then, you know, he comes back and he beats uh, Tommy and with the quick 51-second knockout. Left him slumped against the fence. Yep. My, my relationship with him, though, John, is I'll just remember him as somebody who... It didn't matter, like you said. It didn't matter that if we didn't talk for six months, we didn't talk for a year. It was when we saw each other, it was we had nothing but respect to each other, nothing but love from each other. And all it wasn't that we didn't need to talk about what where we've been and what we've been doing. We talked about how are you right now? And that's all we cared about. How are you right now? How are things going? You know, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to help? What can where can you and he he never he never um, he was the guy that I helped get to the, a certain place, but he opened the door wide open for himself. And then when he had some issues after the Ken Pavia situation and he had, you know, and then the UFC had split ways with him, whatever with Ken Pavia. And then when he left and went to the world series of fighting and over there, he, he was, he was asking me and Damon, the guy who we all knocks with to manage him. And I said, look, man, I can't manage you. Like it just won't, it, it won't work for you. I don't want to do you wrong. And sure, I can maybe get your foot in the door here with Strike Force at the time, and then maybe even back to you know UFC and, and the world, all those things. I just knew that it, I wasn't going to be able to help grow his his his, his status, his brand, his status and brand, and I wasn't going to be a good fit for him. And I, I and this was in the time when he was talking about joining with some other guys and this and that. And as time came on, I remember when before he joined with Ali, he had called me up and goes, "Hey." What do you think? I said, look, Ali's, I know there's a lot of people that had said things about Ali, but I go, look, everybody that I know that works with him likes his loyalty and likes what he does. I go, that's it. People that I know that does. And so he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And you know, and we had talked for, we've talked a couple times about it. <clears throat> he was a guy that he maybe didn't do everything right. He missed weight several times. I got on him. I coached and cornered him for a lot of the beginning portions of his career. He was at Kung Lee's for a while in San Jose when he couldn't train at AKA because they already had 70 pounders there. You know, our 70 pounders were very weird about the fact that they didn't want him training there, whether it was Fitch and Koss and Swick, you know, and I just said, like, this guy's coming up. You guys are already kind of at the top. You guys were on the ultimate fighter. You know, Fitch had already made gains. He was getting ready to fight for the title. Like by the time AJ kind of came along, it was like during that period. Like, well, he'll be a while before he gets to you guys. You know, and it never even got to that point, but it just was a weird vibe. Well, he did fight and- Josh Koscheck. No, I understand that, but I'm saying it was a while though before it got to that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I understood it. I understood all of those things. It just, it just was a weird vibe to me, even at the gym for myself, because I'm trying to help somebody get there. And they, and they understood their positioning, but we could have made something different happen in that gym at that time. But that was also during that time when they were trying to get Rashad to fight John. They were trying to get Cost to fight Fitch. They were trying to get Swick to fight the other guys. It, it was a weird time just in the sport. But with Anthony, he was always a good person. <clears throat> um, 
there was a lot of things that people don't know about him, you know, um, you know, he was raised by his grandmother. Maybe people know that, but he was such, such a grandma's boy, yeah. such a grandma's boy. And he was also somebody that did so much to be, um, he was anti dog fighting. He did so much to help combat. We did something together. We worked with the, with the charity to help stop dog fighting, you know, and, uh, you know, I know he bred pit bulls, but he was all about just nurturing and loving his dogs. I mean, he had at some points he had 12, 11 to 12 dogs at a time because he loved them. He just, he kept them and sometimes he sold them and sometimes, but he made sure that he vetted everyone that had taken those dogs. He made sure that they were not in the dog fight. He made sure that they weren't, you know, doing other things with the dogs. He was somebody that was very ingrained in just doing good things, you know, and I know a lot of people are going to come out and, and, you know, it just, it bugs me that I, I did, I said some things like on Twitter and people take out and John, we talked about this before the show is that people take out the negative things and just rip on that. All I've ever done is said positive things about him. That's all. And all, that's all I'll ever say about him. He is one of the most sincere people the most humble people, most soft-spoken people I've ever met. And he is someone that. I would do it all over again for, and that lets me know that that's exactly the character that I was looking for in somebody that I needed around me at that time. And he brought that energy that, that I needed. I needed someone like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because my entire experience with, with rumble is I was bad juju for him. You know, I'm just going to say, well, it's, there are fighters out there that look at you like you're either a good luck charm or you're bad luck for him when you're the official. You know, there were fighters that, man, I want you as my official. I always win with you. That's not me, dude. It's you, right? <laughs> yeah. But AJ, for years, said, man, why, why, why do you not referee my fights? I said, AJ, I have nothing to do with it, dude. It is not me. It is the commission. I said, I go, I don't know. And he says, well, if I ask for you, I said, if you ask for me, you're not going to get me. I said, because then they're going to say, well, there's a reason there, and it's not going to happen. He goes, I just got to keep on fighting. I did two of Anthony Rumble Johnson's fight. Both were against your man, DC. Both yeah. were, were for the world title. And, you know, he lost both of those. But, you know, I had a, we actually went to the a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the when you have the Super Bowl, you got the, the week of the Super Bowl and you got all the radio stuff. And we both ended up at that. And we ended up, you know, doing some shows kind of together and separate right next to each other. And we ended up having lunch and, you know, and just spending some time together. And, the one thing that, you know, Rumble made you smile. He was just a good guy. He was a happy guy. And he was always looking for, what are you doing that's exciting you? That was the big thing. What are you doing that's, that's making you excited? This is, what I'm, this is what I'm looking at. And this is what I'm thinking about starting to do. What do you think about this? And he was always looking towards, what was it that he was going to love to do? You know, and it was, I think that was part of, you know, why he stepped away from fighting for a little bit was... He fell out of love with it. He did love it for a little bit. And then it wasn't there. And even though he was making a lot of money, it was one of the things that I really respected from him was, hey, money was one thing, but spending his time in the proper fashion and enjoying what he was doing was what he lived for. And I say it all the time, man. Time is the most valuable thing we have. I wish. I wish I had told Anthony, how much I appreciated him more. I was able to do that with you a little bit when we saw him the last time we talked for a while and stuff, but, uh, look, you, you run into certain people that 
They make your life better. Anthony Johnson made everyone's life better. I'm going to miss you, brother. Yeah. Rumble in peace. All right. Well, hey, we're going to we're going to go ahead and uh, move on to some more positive news. And um, I'm actually got I'm glad I got through that a little bit more. A little bit you better did good did earlier today. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very proud of you. Um, go ahead. You can you can just blow your nose now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, we got we have UFC. What is it? Eight eighty five now. Sixty five. Sixty five. I don't even. Know. Come on, it's, man. It's, well, it still says two fifteen. It's, it's one top. number in front of the next. <laughs> no, it's two fifteen yes. right here. No, just because yeah, it says fight night two fifteen. This is Las Vegas. Sixty five. Yeah. Yeah, so just because just because they advertise at two fifteen, I'm supposed to believe it's sixty five. Got it. Okay, <laughs> okay, I got it. All right. Well, um, we are back to not pay per view cards, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, the cards that you know are the in between cards. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this: You take a look at this, and the, this main event is going to be between Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak, a heavyweight battle, but kind of talked about this at one point before. Mm -hmm. Is it now? Is Derek Lewis the gatekeeper of the heavyweights? Kind of talked about it before. Kind of said, no, not yet. He's really not. Yeah, maybe he was. We argue back and forth. Do you look and say now at this point, is he the guy that you look at and you say, man, you know, look, he's good. He's tough. He's strong. He hits like a freaking mule. But if you can get by him, is the UFC going to put you in their upper echelon? But if you can't get by him, then are you going to be, uh, you're definitely not one of those guys we're ever going to look at it, consideration for those title fights. I don't know. This show is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Those of you guys that are listening to us for the first time, John and I can attest that mybookie.ag brings you some of the best betting odds across every platform. Let me just be honest with you guys. This is one of those online sites where once you bet your winnings, you got to bet them one time and you get to pull your money out after. That's if you use our promo code. Promo code. So if you use our promo code weighing in and you win off of any of the advice we give you, which we great, we give great advice, by the way. Uh, if you guys don't believe me, just for all you new listeners, you guys go back and listen to my Islam market chef prediction. <clears throat> just want to just do this for those of you new listeners. Go back and listen to that show. And I just can let you guys know now I would have made you guys a lot of money. A lot of money. So go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in, and you guys can thank me later for suggesting mybookie.ag. I, I don't I couldn't I can't say that just yet. But what I okay. can say though, John, is that the newer generation of heavyweights that are coming up, the Serogons, the Aspinall, the Spivics, they're the smaller but bigger, but Spivik's more athletic. No, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Like no, neither is Cyril Gone. He's big. But I'm saying that it's that light on the feet. Yeah. Super mobile, good footwork, great not punching, plotting. great not just, a plotting. Yeah, been. they're they're not they're not the Derek Lewis type where they just stand in the middle and wait for you to come to you come wait for you to come to them and then yeah. one shot, one big shot, two shots, and then that's it. Check the kick and counter. That I think that era of heavyweights is starting to kind of make their way out, just a tiny bit. We're starting to see more of the 
more of the serial gods, like Anthony Joshua when he exploded on the scene in the heavyweight division for boxing, you know, and you got Tyson Fury, big guy, light on his feet, good movement. You're looking for the bigger generation of fighters that are just really mobile and the athleticism shines through. We're starting to get the NFL players, basically the, the football players and the basketball players and the, and the bigger guys that have some sort of athletic ability. They're rare and few and far between. Let's just be honest. When they're that big, they don't normally have that type of athleticism. No, they normally don't go to fighting. They go to other sports. Because they're smart. (laughs) Because they're smart. If you're that big, go somewhere you can make a ton of money. Um, I look at Derek Lewis. Will he be passed up? Probably by these newer generation of of, uh, more athletic, you know, just mixing it up. A little bit better they're not they're not the one shot two shot boxing only type fighters they are wrestlers grapplers learning the submission game getting this fight to the ground working on your weaknesses and being able to, to capitalize on those they're, they're almost like a a bigger version i wouldn't say more athletic but like a daniel cormier someone who you look at and go okay look he's got you know at heavyweight he didn't have the same definition that he had at 205 but the athleticism is there. I mean, someone that, you know, even at 40 years old, the guy could still do a standing backflip. I mean, that that talks about a lot of these guys with athleticism. Guys like Cyril Gaon, guys like uh, Tom Aspinall, guys like Spivak, other other fighters in that top heavyweight division. You know, we're seeing a couple of them also in the uh, in Bellator and a couple other guys in some other promotions. These bigger guys are starting to come around, and they're really doing a good job of understanding they have to utilize the wrestling they have to utilize the submission they have to be well-rounded if they want to become champion that's most likely stipe was one of the first guys he wasn't very light on his feet but he could wrestle and he could stop takedowns he got really good with his boxing he was not a plotter he could move and stick and move create angles and he knew how to fight i mean he was one of those guys and um i think that's what we're going to start seeing coming up here shortly Dave, do me a favor. Pull up the heavyweight rankings for the UFC. I want to see exactly where they have Derek at right now. So Derek Lewis is number seven. Mm -hmm. There you go. Derek Lewis is number seven while Sergey is number 12. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really starting to look at it. I can understand where, you know, you're saying, you know, Chris Dawkins is someone who's gone against him, wasn't able to get past Derek Lewis. Mm -hmm. You know, did did he fight Rosenstrike? I thought he did. Yeah, I think it was a boring fight. It was a boring fight. Yeah, it was a boring fight. But he ended up winning it. Yep. He beat Alexander Volkov. Mm -hmm. But the guys that you're looking at above him all right now, those are got a lot of them have wins against him. I don't know. I'm just looking and thinking, you know, does the UFC look at him as someone that they would put back into a championship fight at heavyweight now mm. you know i think they're looking more towards the the john jones coming in and, and taking on uh francis you know obviously they got cyril gone who is a special athlete you still got stipe who's getting older mm-hmm. he's not fighting a lot he hasn't fought since you know that loss to uh, mm-hmm. Nangano. but you know heavyweights are just rare as far as being super athletic and when you have I mean, them Man, they're special. But look at like even with Ty Tuivasa, light on his feet, got good. Yeah, he movement. moves well. He moves his hands. He's he's got some speed with his hands. He throws some good kicks when he throws yeah. them. I mean, he's he's an athletic big guy. 
I mean, Derek Lewis is athletic. He can't be that big. I mean, he can't be that good and not be athletic. You see him do that jumping kick? But Taitui Avasa beat Derek. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm saying, though, in this phase, though, John, what I'm saying is these guys are, these guys are just because they're big doesn't mean they're, they're not athletic. They're oh, extremely no, no, athletic. No, absolutely not. They're extremely yeah. athletic. Absolutely. But now we're seeing the bigger ones, the same size, if not bigger, that are able to, to Bring utilize the other all elements. the other elements of the game, utilize yeah. more of the wrestling, stuff to take down, utilize some of the jiu-jitsu. I mean, I really believe it's going to come down to, and I didn't give this guy enough credit either, is Curtis Blades. The guy can wrestle. He's got some oh, good he hands. Wrestle. He's getting better, you know, in terms of putting it all together. I mean, he can do everything. And as he gets a little bit more mature, he gets a little bit better in terms of understanding the game, he's putting it together very well and yeah, be able what, to dominate. You got to take, you know, his last fight, you know, was a win for him. And, it, you know, a lot of people, they didn't give him credit because, you know, Aspinall hurt himself, mm-hmm. you know, tore his knee, and, you know, but Blaze ends the fight. But it's a matter of, Curtis Blades did everything he was supposed to do. Got himself yeah. prepared for the fight. Shows up. Is ready to go after it. Is going after Tom Aspinall. The injury occurs. That's not ter- you know, Curtis Blades was the winner. He deserved to be the winner in that. He deserves to be in that tough upper echelon. Mm-hmm. He has proved himself time and time again. Yes, he got knocked out by Derek Lewis. You know, if you remember that vicious uppercut yeah. that uh, knocked Curtis oh, Blades yeah. out. But if you're going to look at who's the more well-rounded fighter, yep. it's definitely Curtis Blades. But I don't know. I just look at, at this. I look at this fight, and I'm being honest when I say it. First off, I love Derek Lewis. I actually think this is a good fight for Derek Lewis because Sergey doesn't move his feet that much. He does stand in front of his opponent a lot. He does like to throw and match up power. You don't want to match up power with Derek Lewis. No, but I think where the advantage lies, though, is that Spivak fights at a little bit faster pace than Derek Lewis. He'll he'll continue to push and he'll grind. He'll try to push Derek Lewis back. Now, I don't think that's going to be an easy thing for him to do. Um, he's not going to be able to move Derek Lewis back. I don't think Derek's going to be on the outside sticking and moving. I think he's going to be second in the center of the cage going, come to Poppy. Come to Poppy. There yeah, you go. And you take these shots, come and get some. Yep. Now. I think also uh, Spivik's going to also try to mix this up, try to press her Derek, Derek to the fence. He's going to try to take away that power and that advantage, make him fight him in a phone booth if he's smart. Now, whether he can get that done or not, I don't know. I mean, Derek it's, Lewis is not somebody you can just press to the fence and hold him there because he's a mountain of a man. It's The real question is this, in my opinion. Derek Lewis, first off, for a big man, he's very fast when he wants to be. He's explosive. And when he does decide to explode, there's a lot coming your way, and can you survive it? And that's really going to be the question. If Spivak can make his way through the first round of those explosions, get himself into the second half of the second round, he's got a great chance of starting to pull away in the fight because Derek does get tired. Yeah. He's, he doesn't have a huge gas tank. You know, he's got to, he's got to limit himself as far as his output and control that manage, you know, when he does, you know, use and step on the gas to go after his opponent. So if Spivak can get it into that second part of the second round, he's got a good chance of winning during the first round and a half though. Mm -hmm. He's got his hands full. Yeah. But I think when you look at the, um, what was the other fight with, uh, Volkov, 
Derek's dangerous at any point of the fight. Can he be. won that fight with 10 seconds left, maybe less. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And he was he was losing that fight. Oh, yeah. He just, he's available. He understands. He can throw that power at any time. And if I catch you, it could be over. So no matter who fights him, whether it's uh, Spivak or not, any of them, you got to be careful with him at all moments unless you can get him down and control him from the top. And I, mean, and I don't know if Spivak's going to take that approach, but he should really think about closing you, that distance and hanging on. You can't be underneath him. him. No, you can't be underneath him. His ground up pound is nasty. Yeah. It's really nasty. Super Having strong. To move that weight and carry that weight. Yep. All right, what other fights are on this card? Let's hop back over to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kennedy Nenshukwu coming from Team Fortis. I like Kennedy, man. He's long, he's lean, going against Ian Kutalaba. The real thing here with Kennedy against... Kutalaba, he's got to weather that first round. Kutalaba comes out. He tries to bully people. He tries to, you know, overwhelm them. Overwhelm them. I'm sorry. I don't think he's going to be able to do that with Kennedy. Kennedy's six foot five. He has got a very good jab. He's actually got good takedown defense. And Kutalaba is going to try to take him down. Doesn't mean that he can't, but he's going to have to work hard at it. And the one thing about Kennedy that you got to be on, the guy's got a gas tank. Mm-hmm. Much bigger gas tank, in my opinion, than Kudalaba. So as the fight goes on, the longer the fight goes, the more it goes towards Kennedy. Yeah, I think Kennedy's just going to use that reach and that range to really just stick it in his face. He's going to make Kudalaba ex- reach, extend himself into the point where he's just going to get frustrated possibly and start rushing in and get caught. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I see that fight going. You got Chase Sherman versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. Boy, that's a fast turnaround for Acosta, isn't it? He just had a fight. Yeah. Looked good, though. Yeah, but it was two weeks ago now, wasn't was it? Was it two? No. no, uh, no. Yes. yes. Was yeah. it two weeks already? Man. October 29th, man. Oh, Boom, really? that's two I weeks. Three-round fight. Really? Look at that. No, fast re- turnaround. Was it yes. that fast? It, it seems like fast. it was like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like forever ago. No. So many things have been going on. Chase Sherman, though, 16 and 10. I mean, Cortez is good, man. We saw that last time he was out, but I mean, he's just a guy that can just he can he can defend, he can throw strikes, he can he can take the fight anywhere he wants. I think he's just going to be a little bit more athletic, a little bit more confidence is key, a little bit more on that type of to- take for me and John. Is that somebody that just understands what it, he doesn't understand what it's like to lose, and I don't think he plans on losing this time. I don't know, Chase Sherman is someone's gonna give him, I think he can give him a little bit of problems. Chase will will bang with him. He'll stand there. He'll take the shots. Will he it's take really the, the question of will what's he that? Take the shots. Will he take the shots? No, he will. The problem for Chase is if he's facing a guy that's a great grappler, it's not yeah. a good night for him. But if it's a guy that's gonna stand up with him, which for the most part, yeah, he will. Cortez Acosta is gonna stand up with him. Yeah, it's not a bad fight for Chase. Mm-hmm. My guy, Andre Fialo versus uh, Muslim Salikov. Yeah, look, you know, this is, you're talking about stand-up. You know, a lot of people are going to look at Salikov and think, oh, you know, he's a, he's a ground. He comes from a, a stand-up background. He loves the spinning attacks, a lot of different types of spinning attacks. He's good with them. You know, Andre, for the most part, he's a boxer. He likes to box. He likes to use his hands. But he's got good wrestling. He's he does good actually have good wrestling. 
and he needs to take this fight to the ground. He does not want to be in that stand-up battle because it's too much as far as you're taking too many chances. You're putting yourself in harm's way for no reason if you can take this to the ground and use that ground game and use your ground and pound. That's where Andre Fiala will find a win against Salikov. I've known Andre Fiala for quite a while. He turned an AK for a long time. Um, you know, he was he was kind of a little bit of the Michael Chandler at our gym. He just never sparred smart. He never he never he was a, he was a dog though. The guy could throw down. He get after it. I've seen him double leg DC. I've seen him double leg Luke Rockhold. I've seen him take a lot of top level wrestlers down. I've seen him stand and trade and bang it out with a lot of these guys that were good boxers, kickboxers that people thought. Oh, no, no, he's, you can't stand with him. Oh, no, he would stand with him. He, in this fight, though, I would agree with you, John. If he needs, if he's going to continue to have success in the UFC, I know he's coming off that loss, but if he wants to continue to have success, he needs to fight smart. It's one thing, I, I know he believes in his power. He's got power. I felt yeah. it. Okay, he's got power. He puts his combinations together really well, but when he gets away from set throwing the kicks to set up his hands or the hands to th- throw the kicks to come back with the hands, is when he becomes a one-dimensional fighter, and then he's not as dangerous. If he mixes in his double leg, he's got a blast double that's fucking better than a lot of top-level wrestlers I've ever wrestled with. It's phenomenal. Jiu-Jitsu, he's not as savvy. He's got good, you know, basic submissions, good defense for the submissions. <clears throat> um, but he's at like a purple belt level. He understands the game enough to stay out of it and get caught. But he can get in there and get after it. He's got good ground up pound once he lets it go. But he leaves himself out of position sometimes because he throws it with so much heat on the feet. He's a dog. He just, he's got to learn to mix it up to keep people guessing because all he's got to do is touch you once. Touch you once and then touch you a couple more times to put you away. He's got that type of power. And so I, he just needs to fight smart. If he fights smart, I think he can win this fight. I, I honestly do think he can. It's the question of, does he fight smart? Hmm. Yeah. And it, it's a question, you know, the guys get caught up in, I want to get the knockout. Sometimes getting the knockout's not the way to get the win. So you just got to be smart about what you do. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll see if he does. Well, here's the other thing, though, John. He trains at Kill Cliff. <clears throat> yeah. And that's where Michael Chandler trains. <clears throat> and I'm, no, I'm just, I'm saying, is when you come, He's gotten better. He's gotten better at fighting smart. We've seen that in the last couple of fights. Yeah. <clears throat> My point is, is that when guys like Dana White, when the president of the UFC comes out and says, compares Michael Chandler to somebody like um, Gotti, and he sees him, he's a fun fight. He's this, he's that. They love, you know, he just got a new contract. They see where it's going in that direction. Yeah. Fighters start to feel like all I got to do is fight this way and I'll, and I'll get this, I'll get that. But I want to remind people. You get brain damage. No, it's not just that. Is that a lot of these fighters, even look at look at Cowboy Cerrone. He was always there for them. He always fought his ass off. He always brought, he always took fight on one week notice, oh, two yeah. week notice fights. He was, he was, if you want to say who a it's company One of the greatest was, company men there ever was. One of the greatest. As, yeah. Exactly, John. I agree. But if you look at a lot of what he made, he made good money. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but there was talk and conversation that he should have been making a lot more for all the favors that he did to the UFC. Now everyone's like, "Oh, well, you didn't do them a favor. He, you know, he was contracted. He got paid. He did his. He went out there and fought." 
Yeah. When you're getting called on a one week notice, when you have the name that you have, like a, like a, like a cowboy Cerrone, and I'm not comparing Fialo to that just yet, but young fighters don't get caught up in this. If I'm a company man, that'll pay me back in the long run. Don't get caught up in no that. No guarantee to that. Yeah. And as I've always said, winning solves everything. Keep winning. Find ways to win. If it's boring, who cares? Get the win. I know if, as a fan, that sucks to watch. And you want to see those fighters go out there and lay it on the line. But if you are if you just lost your last fight, I want to see you get a win. Now you got your mental back. Now you're back on track. Okay, you know what? Now let's go out there and be a little dangerous next fight if we need to. But let's get back on track and get my confidence going. So with Fialo, as a friend of mine, as someone that cares for him, somebody that wants to see him succeed, fight a smart fight, and this will be your this will be your fight. He's got to avoid the spinning attacks, fight him inside a phone booth if you're going to box him, and then fight him on the ground. Get the takedowns, fight him on the ground, be in the top position, control him. That's how you win this fight. Don't stay within those spinning, spinning attacks inside that kicking range that could get you in a lot of trouble. Got to yep. avoid those areas. So It's true. Cody Brundage against Adolfo Vieira. Well, we we know what we're looking at with Adolfo Vieira, just one of the best ground attacks there is, but he does get tired in, in that middleweight weight category at 185. He seems to die in losing that weight. You know, he's good for that first round, and if he can't get his opponent out in that first round, things just don't go his way. Mm -hmm. Cody Brundage, very good, very tough guy. I think he's on two wins in a row now. Mm -hmm. um, he's looking good. It's a matter of what does Cody have? Yeah, two wins in a row. And Treason Gore being the last one, that beautiful KO, that was very nice. You know, you look and you go, if you're Cody Brundage, you got to say, I got to, I got to sprawl and brawl in the beginning. Let, let me, mm -hmm. let me push the, put pressure on him. Let me push the pace as much as I can. Let me keep from hitting the ground with him as much as possible and if i do hit the ground i've got to get my back to the fence and get myself back to my feet but this is not an easy fight for Vieira. he's obviously the way better fighter when it comes to being on the ground there's no comparison but he's got to get it there and he's got to be smart once he does get it there quit forcing the submission get to the position put pressure make him move the way you want and then slip it in and he obviously knows how to fucking end it better than I do. So slip it in. Got it. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> once I said it, I was like, probably wasn't it. the right yeah. choice you of words. You said it. You said it. <laughs> um, so slip it in. <laughs> a little, a little bit of the takeaway from Hadolfo Vieira is the same kind of thing with um, Mackenzie Dern is just to not force the submission. Yeah. Be in control and maintaining the top position. Strike more to make them give you the submission that you want it to be. Okay. Force that ground, them to direct. That ground and pound is your friend. Yes. Yeah. And they haven't quite, neither one of them have quite learned that yet. Yeah. And so, and with Hadolfo is that they, they're used to having to force those submissions to try to get it. And it's a lot different than when you're sweaty and they don't have rash guards on and they don't have, you know, all these little things and just start slipping out and it's so much easier and there's more pressure, the crowd and the, and just the noise and everything else is going on and you're feeling like you're getting tired and you're taking shots while it's going on. You know what I mean? It's sometimes guys are hitting you. Sometimes they're kicking you. Sometimes they're kneeing you as you're trying to chase the submission that makes it more difficult to get even the top yeah. level black belts. And so he's just got to be patient. Use the ground and pound, not force the positioning 
use his striking to force them into the way that he wants to attack yes. the arm or the neck or the whatever it is that he's attacking. Cody Brundage is just someone is he's a dog. We know that he'll he'll fight through a lot of adversity. Yep. We know that he'll he'll still be there in the end. He'll chase the submissions, which he'll be probably hard pressed to get, especially early in the fight. But we've seen that Rodolfo Vieira can be submitted. When he gets tired and he gets fatigued, anybody wants that anybody fatigue. anybody when they get tired will just be willing to give up a position to just get out of there, and so Brundage has just got to make sure he doesn't let Vieira wear on him too much in that first round, round and a half with that size. He is enormous for the weight class, and he's strong. So don't let him bully you around. Make him fight from, make him shoot from far away. Make him feel awkward and uncomfortable in those clinch positions, and try to just circle out. Keep and make distance. him pay when he tries for the takedown. That's a big thing right there. Every time he every time he misses or every time you are able to make space, make him pay. Don't give him, don't allow him to not pay every time he, he misses on a takedown. That's it. So it should no be a freebies. good fight. Is there any other fights on here? You know what? The uh Marna Moraz, uh Jennifer Maya fight. Yeah. Should be should be a decent little fight. Mar- uh Moraz, she's she is from Ukraine. She um has doing really has been doing really well. She also apparently just got featured in the first MMA fighter, a female MMA fighter, to be featured in Playboy. So she was one, and then Jennifer Maya. Obviously, she's top level, but coming off of what did she lost her last two or one? Can you click uh, on her? I think she's lost the last couple. Two or one, two. Uh, two. Well, she had two. Her last two. Yeah, her she, last one. Was she, had, she had the loss with Valentina, then she won one, and then lost two. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, overall though, I mean, both of uh, Mraz looking to kind of keep the path, and then the same thing with uh, Jennifer Miles trying to get back on the path. So should be good. Who else on here you want to talk about? Anybody? Let's slide it up just a little bit there towards the uh, first couple fights there. Ricky, if you're, uh, you know, you have Ricky. Tercios, who won the Ultimate Fighter, mm-hmm. did not look real good and did not fight smart in his last fight. So I'm, no. I'm looking to see how he has learned from that last fight. Kevin uh, Tividad, good, solid fighter. Let's see what Ricky learned from his last fight. I want to see, you know, how he returns. You know, it's always those losses that usually will get more of a response and someone changing some of the things they're doing. Uh, so I look forward to seeing how he responds off of that one. John, that, yeah. I've been ragging on these these cards probably the last three weeks. Yeah. But let me let me let me shine a little light on it for everyone. These cards, as much as I had said like those last cards, but everything like and I know I go I got a lot of heat in the comments. Guys, I say hindsight's fifty fifty because it's an inside joke between all of us. We even have a shirt at WayneandPodcast.com that says hindsight's fifty fifty. Okay, <laughs> so if you guys are trying to correct me, it's obviously an inside joke because I say it all the time. So go to our com, pick up one of our some of our merch, and guess what? There's a shirt on there that says Hindsight's 50-50 with my ugly mug on it, too. It's hilarious. <laughs> so I make I say Hindsight's 50-50 in this situation because those two cards that we had saw, there was two or three good fights on there. Sure. And they're, they're, it's and sometimes those, these cards are the ones that end up having the best fights. Sometimes. And so I encourage everyone to watch these fights because these young fighters deserve to see as many eyeballs deserve to have as many eyeballs on them as possible. That's how they're going to make money and they're moving forward. I just want these young fighters to understand that are here. When you get that microphone, don't waste it. Don't waste it thanking your sponsors. I know you need to because you're going to make money. 
take that time to do what uh what's his name Macahon Mo- did not, no uh, oh, or fucking Moicano Moicano did Moicano did do what Moicano did <laughs> that that video is going around viral right now I can't stop laughing I think I've watched it about fifty times already because John turned me on to it I couldn't hear what right. he was saying because I was watching the fight at at a friend's place and the sound and the sound wasn't all the way up and everyone was talking but holy shit I started laughing. It was so funny, John, because I got back beautiful. and you told me about it. I was like, I have to watch it. Fighter, these young fighters, I wasted so many of my post-fight interviews sure. trying to be proper. You're, and you're trying Fuck to be nice. That. Yep. Trying to be respectful, trying to be nice. No, no. Make your call out. Tell them where you want to go. Don't say Dana White, pick somebody, I'll fight them. No, no, no. Say, this is the motherfucker that I want. That's that guy. That's that money that's been, spill- been stealing everything that I worked for. That's how these guys got those fights, and those those females got those fights. Ronda Rousey wasn't she? She went out there and said her and said her what was on her mind. That's how she yep. got where she got, you know. And just remember that. So these are the opportunities for these young fighters. Make sure you guys tune in and watch. They are fantastic fighters. A lot of them on here are really good fighters. Just need more eyeballs on them, man. More buzz, more talk, more communication amongst people that want to talk about them and give them nothing but love. So um. All right, it let's is, move on. It is uh-huh. it is one of the good things about these fight cards is it's not like 281, it's stacked. And if you're one yeah. of the guys in the prelims, doesn't matter how well you fight, you ain't getting that fight of the night. Here you can. Here you can shine. And so I don't know. Did Trez- Dave, can you look it up? Did Trezano get the fight of the night? No, or it was did Dustin he get- Poirier against Chandler, and I can understand. Did he get performance yeah. of the night? Did he get something? No. Uh, See? He didn't get Will- shit. Willie. See? And um, John, performance. I I said that last show. I said, look, when you get put on those cards, right? That's it's tough. always the bigger name fighters who get the, the performance of the night, the mon- knockout of the night, and or look, whatever D- it is. Dust, Dustin deserved. A, it was a fantastic fight between him and Chandler, and he he deserved it. I'm not saying he didn't. Whaley looked great. You know, Alex Pereira, he looked great. But when you're you're Trezano and you're that guy that you're not making what they are and you put out that effort and you uh, have that kind of fight, man, you deserve it and it doesn't come. It sucks. But well, here's the thing, John. Even though even though things like that happen, and I'm gonna I don't know if they still do this. Someone in the comments, if you guys know, hit us up and let us know. But when I was there and I I had heard shortly after, some of these guys they're still getting checks in the mail. You know, they're getting checks in the mail, you know, say four or five weeks later, about a month later, you get a check in the mail. I think it's after your drug test clear, you know, after they clear it all and they get there. Yeah, it's it's always always after after the drug. So um, the check comes in the mail. I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping he got a little extra bonus, something in the mail, 25 grand, 10 grand, whatever it was. Yeah, because he deserved it. And I think I think Troy did. uh, He deserved it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that fight was made by both of them. It was a fantastic fight. Both had to deal with some adversity. Both of them showed they had some big cojones. I love I love that fight, and uh, it's funny. For some reason, I don't know why, but the UFC on my on my app, my app's been acting weird. But I couldn't watch the the earlier the first three fights, and so I had to actually go back after the fights were over and watch that fight because it was then up. So it wasn't on live. I actually had to go back on my app after. That's because ESPN is is. Their internet sucks just like Podcast Dave's. <laughs> and so my all of a sudden on my screen will pop up these numbers and it freezes. And I'm like, 
yeah, I, I had te- that. I, ha- I texted I had him that. and said, "Man, if if you if, if this doesn't jump off of my screen, I'm TPing your building." <laughs> I had to log out of my app and come back onto it for it to go away. It was on there yeah. for like ten minutes. I was like, "Look, what is going on?" Yep. I don't know what it was. Anyways, John, I didn't also find anything anything wrong with your computer is in your uh, facility. No, this so wasn't my computer. It's in your facility. It was not my computer. That it was actually back. on the app on the yeah. on my TV. It was a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Even happened uh, during my pay per view, which I'm paying money for, which made me that's crazy. Tweet to ESPN. That's crazy. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> um, all right. Well, hey, that's gonna wrap up our UFC. Go ahead, say it again. Sixty five. Sixty five. Vegas. Sixty five. Vegas. Sixty five. And then we're gonna move into a rematch, which is a Bellator two eighty eight Nemkov versus Anderson two. And the first one, John, was here in San Jose. What? Wasn't it here in San Jose? What? Yeah, the head, the head, the headbutt was in San Jose, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. It, I don't remember <laughs> either. I don't remember. Holy, I think it was here in San Jose. I think it was. Um, look, I want to lay some groundwork before we before we get into making like kind of a, a prediction or even just talking about how the. Let's lay some groundwork. Vadim Emkov in that first fight, they had to bring him in three to four weeks early. He wasn't able to train where he normally yeah. trains. Wasn't able yeah. to be around family. Literally was like bouncing from gym to gym, trying to find locations to train. He just, because of what was going on in Russia and the Ukraine, there was just not a, there wasn't, he wasn't going to be the same fighter. Now, that being said, John, in this time he's been able to train an American top team. He's pretty much did almost his whole camp here because he hasn't been able to train back in Russia just yet. In, right. in fear of that, maybe not be able to get a visa to come back into the country to compete. Yep. That that all being said, Corey Anderson, I think, laid the groundwork on how to beat somebody like Vadim Nemkov. The ability to mix up with the speed, the reach of his jab, his inside leg kick, and that takedown. His top pressure and the way he ground and pounds, it gave Vadim Nemkov fits. Now, not just fits, but it started to really slow him down. And... I don't, to be honest, outside of Vadim catching him coming in or outside of Vadim having more pep in his step and, the, and using his lateral movement to try to catch him off of a transition in the lateral movement, yeah. I don't see much of a difference in this outcome. I mean, Corey Anderson was running away with that fight and he was putting in the work and he was making it look easy after that first round. I got to agree with just about everything that you're saying there. First off, I thought it was... It was a tough time for Vadim, but this is part of fighting, and and you've got to work your way through those things. So you can use it as an excuse. He did not, but you know, obviously there was some effect. I thought that Corey Anderson did the right thing in understanding. Look, Vadim's going to start fast, and he is someone that's got speed. He's got good defensive wrestling. He is someone that he's got. Good leg kicks. He's very he's very well balanced in his stand up attack. Let me just keep myself safe in this first round. I'm going to do my thing to, to score my shots, but I'm going to make sure that I be very cognizant of my defense. Make him work at a pace that maybe is not quite where he wants it to be. It's more where I want it to be, and I can push him just a little bit towards getting tired. And then I'm just going to increase from there and that's what he did and and i think you're right i thought vadim won the first round i thought that Corey won the second 
and I thought he was winning the third, you know, when the head uh, clash of heads happened, you know, and it was one of those people can look at it and you can say, you know, Corey was what seven seconds away from it possibly, you know, going to the next round where he possibly could have gotten the win. He doesn't want to win that way either, though. It's one of those that yeah, you want to become the champion, but you want to you want to make it to where there's no doubt, and people clearly see that you beat that guy. Uh, he was beating him. It ends up as a no contest, but I think coming into this one, Corey's confidence is way high because he he can sit there and he can say, "Look, I went in there." I did exactly what I wanted to do. Yes, he scored his, he had his little moments where he looked okay. But as you saw, my my game plan was, it was rolling. And I was the one in control of this fight when this thing ended. And it was only going to get worse. If you're Corey Anderson, that's the way you're looking. Mm-hmm. This thing was only going to get worse. There was nothing that he was going to do to change it. I was on my way to being the the champion of the world. I was on my way to a $1 million paycheck. You got to look and say, I agree with everything that you're saying. Now, if you're Vadim, you can sit there and say everything you want about, hey, you know, didn't get my camp that I wanted. All those things all could be true. There's no excuses this time. You've got to change. And if there's anybody that's got to change what was occurring, Corey wants to do the exact same thing. Vadim's got to change what occurred in that first round, first fight. First round went for him, but he was being pushed too much for it to be a comfortable fight for him. So he's the guy that's got to change this up. I think Corey's got to come back and just, he's basically got to go into round four. Go into round four and just keep on moving on. If, If Corey Anderson wins this fight, is he the best lie heavyweight in the world? close you know i'm just i'm not gonna i can't say for sure you know that you know does Corey beat yuri he's got a good shot at it he's definitely got the wrestling he's definitely got you know good stand-up uh has he been exposed at times he has yuri has and and this is i want to say that Corey is what one nine and one in his last 10 fights yuri is probably right at the same you know let's see one, two, three, three six, four, five, six, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine fights, he's lost one. Okay, nine fights, he's lost one. P- pull up Yuri real quick, if mm. you can. I'm sorry. Uh, I know I'm asking yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just clicked on Yuri could've, right there. Yeah, I didn't see him on there. Was he on there? He was, but is all right. Oh, okay. Uh, Yuri's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, so wow. Yuri, Yuri's you know, more. And, yeah. and this is, you know, you can look and say, right now, you know, Corey's, Corey's got to come up. You know, he's behind it. He did beat Glover. Yuri mm-hmm. beat Glover. Obviously, you know, a little bit difference in how they beat Glover and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I just look at it right now. And, yeah, you could say that, that Corey is, but you can absolutely say that, yeah, but you got to put Yuri ahead of him. Yeah. It's, it's for a everyone that says. For everyone that says UFC is the best fighters, I mean, uh, Corey Anderson's fights were all in the UFC pretty much. So in the last like, oh, yeah. 15, 20. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had 15, not... 15 fights in the UFC, and he won, a... he won the ultimate fighter as far as the uh, the tough you know show and everything. Look, Corey Anderson did not... Corey Anderson did not leave 
the UFC in a fashion that, oh, he couldn't fight. Corey Anderson is still one of the best fighters in the world. Corey Anderson is someone that if the UFC still had, he would be fighting for the title somewhere along the way. It was Corey Anderson couldn't be Corey Anderson the way he needed to be in the UFC. And that took away from his, his ability to win. It took away from his fighting style. Corey needs to utilize his wrestling. And when he's told, hey, we want you to be exciting, he's not going to his wrestling. That's taking away a good portion of who he is as a fighter, and it's wrong, and he needs to just be who he is. I What I, what I want to say about Corey is I'm not going to – I just asked you a question if he was the best – if he wins this fight. If he wins impressively, I think He's there's, right there. It's Yeah, he's right there. I think he's one or two. It's, it can, yeah. I don't care if you put him one or I don't care if you put him no. two. Let's not even get into that conversation, but I will give Corey Anderson a ton of credit because for such a big guy, what he does have is a fucking gas tank. Oh, man. This guy can go. Cardio for days. He wasn't even getting tired in that third round. He was pushing the pace. He was grinding on Nemkov. He was shutting everything down that Nemkov had. The fight was only going to get worse from my eyes, from what I was viewing and what I was watching right there in that arena with my eyes is it wasn't going to get any better for Nemkov. Now, that all may change coming in because he's had a full camp at American Top Team. Now, I know some inside information, but since I'm not media, I'm not going to say anything about it, okay? Because <laughs> I can tell you how his camp has gone. I can tell you all these things, but guess what? I'm not going to do that because that's not what we do here. I'm just giving you my opinion on how Nemkov has the power in his hands. And like you said, we've seen Corey falter at times. You know, he's made some mistakes, but he is, I think, someone that is, it becomes... He has become a more sound fighter with the confidence every fight that grows with him. Every fight, his confidence is growing. He understands his ability to strike now with the jab, with the inside leg kick, the outside leg kick, using that push kick up the middle, then utilizing his wrestling and just grinding on you, beating you to the punch. Understanding that, look, I don't need to wrestle with you in the first round. I just got to work you, maybe use a little bit of wrestling at the end of the first. Now I got you thinking about the takedown going in the second. Let some hands go. Then wrestle you some more half of the second and just wear on you and wear on you. What was the the other Russian guy that he had fought? He had the really weird uh, last Yag name. Yag Yagshamiradov. He didn't really try to take. He didn't take him down, I think, in the first. Or he tried at the very end. Then after that, it was like, okay, let me just dominate you from every position. Yagshamiradov's got some power in that right hand. Fast. Big, over, big overhand right. Really explosive. Kind of lulls you to sleep. And then bam, bam, tries to hit you with some big shots. Corey, Corey was in there doing his thing. He is somebody that I think at any given day could beat any light heavyweight in the world. Now, Absolutely. look, when you get to the top level, when you get to the top level, this is the fight game. We just saw with uh, with Alex Pereira and, uh, and Izzy. In any moment, the fight could change. And it could change nasty. It could be quick, be over. You could be down, you know, four rounds to none and still come back and win that fight. And Alex was down three rounds to one pretty much. I think everyone's the consensus is, is he was down three rounds to one. And he came back and got the knockout in the fifth. Yep. This can be done. Look at Anderson Silva and Chael P. Sonnen. He was one. He was one minute and forty-seven seconds or twenty-seven seconds away from becoming champ. Fourteen seconds, yep. whatever it is. And we're, we're talking that was four rounds mm -hmm. in the in the bank with two ten-eight rounds. Jeez, man. There was not. There. Were, I don't think I'd ever seen a more dominant performance. No. You know, a more. I mean, outside of watching Khabib's fights. There was really no, I've never seen a more dominant performance by someone. Chael was making it look easy. Chael looked as good as he ever fought in that fight. 
except for that last round yeah. the last moments of that it's like yeah. but yeah. it happens but but Corey anderson is not to be is not to be overlooked he is somebody that is definitely to be feared. And Nemkov, the same thing with the hands, the, the ability to hit arm bars and triangles and off of his back submission attempts, his ability to get back to his feet. I want to see if there's going to be a difference from the first fight to the second fight. And well, Corey, he's going to have to make some adjustments. I hope he doesn't come in just thinking that he's going to fight him the exact same way because I think that Nemkov will have a couple little things up his sleeve to remedy what happened in that first fight. Just a couple, maybe one or two things to maybe get him thinking about, okay, this is how he shot off of this. This is how he shot. The second fight will not always be the same. And John, do you think he'll look back if he does lose this fight and go, I would, I just lost life-changing money because I didn't let it go seven more seconds. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> there's no, there's no doubt about it. You know, how, do, how do you not? But, and this is part of the whole thing. If you know Corey Anderson as a person, look, he's as as straightforward and good a guy as you will find. This is a working man. This is a guy that just, you know what? He he goes about doing things the right way. You know, hard work, takes care of his family. He's an honest individual. Mm-hmm. I, I expected nothing different from him. That's just who he is as a person. Yeah, he could have had that clash of heads and not gone and looked at the ref like, hey, man. You know, we clashed heads. He could have just continued on. And maybe, you know, Frank Trigg, who was the referee, maybe he would have just let it go. And, you know, looked at, you know, Vadim at that portion, you know, of one minute of time between rounds and made a decision about, you know, what am I going to do with this? But it was Corey that actually made the stop. He's the one that created that timeout based upon his actions. And, you know, it was, it was what it was, but... I'm just glad they're going to get this thing back together and get it get it figured out. Yeah. All right, now the co-main event. You got Patriki Pitbull, who is fighting Usman or Magomedov, which is the cousin of Habib and really close friend of Islam. And, you know, from that whole camp, man, from the AKA camp. Well, cousin really. of Khabib, but brother of Umar. Of Umar, yeah. Right. Look, I've been, I've been a little, I, I don't want to say I've been harsh on Usman. I haven't been no, harsh. No, you have. But, you have. You've been very harsh. I haven't been harsh, John. <laughs> You've been really harsh. I've been. A I realist. want you to think of this. I want you to think yeah. about this. Okay. To yeah. Take Islam. Stick Islam to the side. Doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> if you take the name Nurmagomedov and the guys that are fighting right now, you've got obviously Usman, Umar. Mm-hmm. You got Abu, Abu Baka, right? Yeah. And so if you took. Habib and you put him in there do you realize that their record those four is 76 (laughs) wins three losses and one draw 76 three and one and if you took Abu Baka out of there it's 59 and 0 (laughs) pretty impressive Um, no it is it is look I, I haven't been I haven't been harsh on him. What I have been is I want I know I know he's fifteen and zero. I get it, and I I believe he's as talented as the other the other three, yeah. and, and if not if not more, he's got all the ability. He's big for the weight, like as in terms of height, you know, and reach and all. He's he's fast with his hands. He's got great little snap kicks, and he's got great. He understands leverage. He understands how to utilize his wrestling. All of those things. 
stylistically, this is a good fight for him. Yes. If I'm gonna pick, if I'm gonna pick someone, I fought Patricky. I've trained with Patricky. I've rolled with Patricky and his brother Patricio. Yeah. They're they're fantastic fighters. Stylistically, this is a good matchup for Usman, though. Now, I do think Patricky can win this fight. Do I think he'll get it done? I don't know, but I but do what does notice he, have to do? he needs to fight him in a phone booth. Yeah, and he's got to catch gotta, him. He's got to step inside of that. He's got to create Usman to not be able to utilize the kicks and spinning attacks that he likes. He's got to make it more, force him into using his hands. Mm -hmm. That's his weapons. He if, does. If he does that, he's, he has the ability to take a lot of the tools of Usman Nurmagomedov away. He does, but he's also got to avoid being out of that clinch. Yeah. Because in that clinch, these little tiny foot sweeps, hill sweeps, hooks, like little hip tosses, all of those things are very effective when someone is a taller, longer fighter. They use that leverage. They use their legs to intertwine with yours. He's able to hip you over. He's able to foot sweep you over. And a couple of the highlights that I pulled that are going to be shown, um, you know, coming up for this next uh, Bellator right before the fight comes out is a lot of that is because I look for him. Patricky's going to try to fight him in that phone, but he's going to have to try to get in on that inside and use his hands, potentially try and land a flying knee, something along those lines because he can't afford to stand on the outside and let Usman just pluck at him with a jab and a head kick and a snap kick and a spinning back kick and all of those things. He can't afford to do that. He'll get outpointed, and the athleticism and the speed of Usman and the reach of Usman will keep him outside of that range. It's This is one of those things. I could see him becoming champion, and he deserves it. I just got nervous when the fact is, is that he hadn't fought a ranked opponent. And I said, look... This was a little bit like how the Alice Pereira thing had came up. They fast-tracked him up into the middle because of the of the situation the that went on between the wins. <clears throat> but he but did Alex ever fight a ranked opponent? No. Outside of Strickland. Well, sorry. Sean, Sean he Strickland. Beat, he beat yes. Sean Strickland. Yes. And I understood what they were doing. I think everyone at home understood what they were doing. And, well, you know? I don't blame and, and I don't blame them either because this is this is a big time moneymaker for them. Yeah. This was there there was a there's a storyline there. In this fight, like Usman hasn't fought a named opponent, and I just got concerned. I'm like, look, I'd hate to see you get in there with someone who's been around the block and all who's fought everybody, you know, and then you end up going, man, this is a lot tougher than I thought. Because his toughest fight has been Chris Gonzalez. Give me yeah. a give me yeah. a, I mean like maybe maybe his toughest fight in Bellator. Yeah. Has been Chris Gonzalez. But if you take a look at earlier when he was fighting some of his fights that were in Russian stuff. He fought a couple of guys. He fought that a couple of tough guys. Pretty tough. Yeah. But how I mean, many, I want to know how many guys have walked into that cage going, he's Khabib's brother. Oh, or, I, sorry, cousin. Like going, oh, uh, I, and they, they've kind of already lost. Yeah. They've, they've kind of lost already. Like just going in and the approach of it, like, oh man, this is. But understanding that they had to take the fight because, hey, I need to take this fight. I got to make money. I got to do this. My thing is, I'm looking forward to him showcasing all of his skills. And in Chicago, which there is a big um, Russian community. There's a big Russian community out there. So expect a lot of people to come out and support him. This is going to be a big fight. People don't well, think, realize. Think about this. You, you talked in the past before October 22nd when Islam was going to fight Charles. Islam had been in Abu Dhabi, basically. For since June, mm -hmm. well, close to that, 
Usman has been there since July, and most mm-hmm. of his training was done as the training partner of Islam. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were training against each other. You could have where two guys that are training partners, one is the champion in the UFC, and one could possibly be the champion in Bellator. Mm-hmm. And their difference, there's there's a big difference between them as fighters as far as where they're good and and what they like to do. But Usman's wrestling has become very good. It's not what Islam's is. No. But it's it's damn good. And he's able to take people down when he wants, and he's got very good control in the top position. And you saw, you know, in, in his win against Chris, he'll pull off the submission too. You know, he's got a couple of rear naked choke submissions. He will take the fight to the ground, but he likes to be in the stand-up. You know against Patriki, he's going to try to keep this thing on the feet as much as possible. You know, but I honestly think Patriki would be smart in, hey, just show that you're willing to do the takedown because for the most part, Patriki does not take people down. He did with Peter Queeley in his first fight mm-hmm. with Peter Queeley. He took him down, but he also got cut off of those with elbows, but it was one of those times you don't see Patricky Pitbull doing a lot of takedowns. He wants to be in the stand-up. He likes to use his power. It's the one thing that Patricky does have. Comparative to Usman, he does have the one-punch knockout power. Usman can get the knockout. He's more of a, he volumes you a little bit, beats you down, and gets the knockout. He brings the knees up, down, up through the middle, he does the snap kick or he'll do the question mark kick and catch you. But this is a good fight. It's a good fight between two guys. Different styles. Both have to do something different to be effective. Who's going to be the guy that's able to make their game plan work? That's the question. I could kind of see it being a little bit similar to the Peter Quilly fight. Whereas I mean, the first one or the second one Possibly. is that... He's got to make sure, Usman's got to make sure that when he sticks and lands, that he gets out of range of that striking. Now, when I fought Patriki, and when I had done research on Patriki, and I had seen him fight countless times, he doesn't look like a fast fighter. But for some reason... It's a lot faster than people think. He explodes when he needs to explode. He almost plays... I fought another guy, um, Hermes Franca. Slow, kind of like lulled you to sleep, and then Until all of a sudden explodes and, and hits you with a big shot, and just knocked you out. Okay, <laughs> that's you know. And so Usman's got to be very careful of that type of stuff. Where thinking that you're going to get away with something, all of a sudden he explodes. Both of those brothers, they possess power in both hands, and they are not afraid to throw it, and they are not afraid to take a shot to give a shot. That's right. So this is not going to be a traditional. Let me just tag you, touch you. No, no, no. They're going to come at you. And he's going to explode faster than you think. Like I said, stylistically, I think this is a good matchup for Usman. But I could see I could see potentially Patriki catching him. Because if you watch any of Usman's fights, he backs away with his chin in the air. Yeah. That's a scary situation when you have someone who possesses that, that amount of power. That's so if right. you get him going backwards, he puts his hands out and he reaches. And he puts his chin up in the air. Because he's normally the taller and longer fighter at 155 pounds. And he's going to be in this fight. He will be. But you just can't afford to get clipped. Can't afford it. Not with not with these brothers. Not with yeah. Pitbull. Not with Patricio or Patricio. They both possess power. I agree. The Daniel Vaishoyan. How do you say this guy's last name? Timur Kiziev. Kiziev. He's new. So <laughs> he's new, John. I watched his fights. Kiziev is would, good. He's fast. 
He's good. And I'm like, Go ahead and say it again. He's good. Yeah, he's good. Man, fast, changes directions beautifully, transitions. Man, he's fun to watch, and he's a goer, man. He doesn't just sit on top. He tries to do damage. You talk about utilizing, you know, the lacing of the legs and things like that. He does it all the time throughout his fights, and he just lands shots and beats you down. And we talk about Matt returns. This is this guy follows. The he is he's one of those guys that you look. This is an Islam Makachev type featherweight. This is a guy that fights very much like Islam in that. Hey, I'm gonna once I get inside in you, and he he has no problem being in the stand up. He likes the stand up. He will throw with you, but when he gets the opportunity to get into that clinch, he uses the same type of takedowns many times as you'll see from Islam. He uses foot sweeps. He uses some judo. This guy's just good. There's a reason why he hasn't been defeated, and he has dominated every fight I've watched of him. He's really dominated his opponents, even if it's they've gotten to the end. He's dominated them. Yeah, I noticed that he likes to throw that push kick up the middle. He'll mix up. He'll fake the shot. He'll fake the shot and then come up with a flying knee or a big uppercut. He's uh, he's explosive. He's got a good jab. He switches his stance really well and mixes up the wrestling from one direction to the next. Yep. Um, he does the shrug by really well when he gets you to the fence. He'll shrug you by, get to your back, and then kind of yep. sag you to your hip or sag you to your hands and, and knees. And he does a beautiful job. If you notice, when he does get to the back and he's he, you're trying to utilize the fence to... to keep yourself up as a balance point. He really, he uses a knee into the legs to get the takedown that you go very slick the way he does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be a good fighter. He's going to be someone to mess around with at 145. Now, where does this put Daniel Weichel though? Because Daniel Weichel's on that, like that older age, we're 39 yeah. now, 38, 39. Yeah. He's kind of on the downturn a little bit. He's coming off some losses. Got a lot of fights. He is somebody has got a ton of fights. 55. Yeah, he just is one of those guys. He just poses a threat everywhere. And I've said this before in the past. When you talk about fighters that are technicians, that's why I believe he's still able to do it at a high level. Yeah, He is very technical with his stand-up. He doesn't make any, he very rarely makes any big-time mistakes. He is someone that just stays tight with his defense, fights he fights very direct to the point in terms of his jab is stiff. His one-two combination is stiff. He's got good leg kicks. He sets them up with his hands. He big mistakes. He is somebody that just fights a very straightforward fight and understands what he's got to do to get the win. Touch, touch, touch. Okay, if I hurt you, rock you, put you away. Yep. He's a he's a calculated fighter. Yeah. And so this is going to be one of those he's things a where... He, everything yes, he, he does, he's a veteran. Yeah. And so, but then this puts him in that stage, though, coming in with someone who is not ranked because he can't be ranked because they have never fought in Bellator. So they go to the, the, the rankings, go to the Bellator medias. So whoever the media is under the Bellator banner or whoever's working yep. with Bellator to, to make their rankings, I believe there's 15 of them, correct? Do you know that? I believe uh, there's I 15 media sources. Might have been more, that, but. Okay. So I heard it was 15 media sources that come up with the rankings. They can't rank him because he's never fought. Once he is in the rank, once he is um, fought in, the, in Bellator, once he's fought in Bellator, they'll be able to give him the rankings. If he gets a win, he'll probably jump right up into the rankings. Daniel Vaisho, I think, is right now number seven or number eight. Seven. So that'll put him right into that rankings. And we're going to see. I mean, like, I look at that list of fighters in that rankings, and I look at, how do you say his last name? Kizarev? Yeah. Kurziev. Kurziev. I look at him and I go, 
I can see him being in that top two or three in two fights. Yeah. Daniel Weichel. Daniel Weichel and one more. Give me one more, and I'm thinking like a Maz Brunel. Give me a guy that, you know, give me Adam Boric. I mean, these these two guys, I could see him put, working his way right up into that ranking system right away and fighting for a title probably by the end of next year. Yep. That's how good this kid is. Yeah, Fast, is. explosive, puts it together really well. 11-0, and 0, fantastic fighter. And uh, even in his fights that I was watching in ACA, and there was another fight promotion I watched him in too. And I wouldn't say he smoked him, but he beat him everywhere. That's what like, I'm saying. He was never, yeah, he Dominant. never was in any danger. You know, um, he, you know, he, he avoided some big time shots. Came in and delivered his own big time shots. Phenomenal young athlete. I'm looking forward to seeing him fight in Bellator. Yep. Uh, Tyrell Fortune versus Daniel James. Whew. Let's be honest. Tyrell Fortune should be fighting for the title if he can get it together and just fight smart throughout these next couple fights. Daniel fight James shouldn't be in there. I don't think Daniel James has the ability to beat Tyrell Fortune. Now, at heavyweights, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. First off, let's just be honest about this. Daniel James, he's a monster of a man. (laughs) You're talking six foot six and walks around somewhere 280, 285. Okay. Cuts down to the 265. He's going to walk into the cage somewhere around 280 pounds. He is a big man. He likes to use his boxing, but he he also likes to actually get the takedown, be in the top position, and land bombs. He's very much like Derek Lewis when he gets to the top position. He doesn't sit there and hold. He creates space, and he he delivers hammers. So I'm not saying that I think he's going to be able to get Tyrell down. I think that's going to be the weakness of you know his attempt in this fight, but... Daniel James, you know, fighting out of ACA, he fought a lot of good, tough guys. You know, his the first fight he had in ACA, he got a loss in a decision. If you go back and watch it, he didn't lose that fight. But mm-hmm. it went to the guy that comes from that area. Okay, that's fine. Or you know, Eastern European. But this guy can fight. He does not back down. And he's not going to back down from Tyrell Fortune. So it's a... It's a really good fight, you know. And this is Daniel James actually fought his very first professional fight in Bellator. Yeah, he got to win, you yeah. know. And uh, he is—he's someone who has. If you if you watch all of his fights, he's gotten better. He understands how to pace himself in the fight. He's smart, and it's one of the things. If you're looking at Tyrell, Tyrell sometimes doesn't pace yeah. himself very well. He does explode too much and gets tired, and then there's problems. And we've seen guys that, you know, although we know that they're good grapplers, someone like a Linton Vassell, they don't have the pedigree of a Tyrell Fortune, but they're able to outgrapple him when he gets tired. Yeah. So, he, you know, big guy that he's going to have to be, you know, going up against. Tyrell Fortune is going to come in somewhere, maybe 245, maybe 250, but he's going to be the smaller guy, no doubt. I think he's the more technically proficient guy, especially with the wrestling. But he's got to use that wrestling. He does not want to get into, oh, I want to knock this guy out because then this guy has a chance to knock him out. John, if I was 285, cut into heavyweight, all I would try to do is get guys down so I could lay on them. That's all I would do. <laughs> it's tough. That's it, man. Hey. Like how like how that one day in the in the cage when you like just tripped and fell on top of me? Is I was now I, I tripped. I could I couldn't move. Now so I, I just, yeah, I was stuck between the fence and your big ass body. So I mean, like if I was that guy, if I was, do you Daniel want to tell James, everybody what I was saying to you at that time too? 
You, I'll you, say I have, timber. You timber. <laughs> See, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I I was afraid you broke your hip. I was just making sure you were okay. I was like, everything all right? Oh, you were what you happened? were saying that I was okay. I hey, was Josh, like, so you know, no. I was fine. No, uh-huh. you on the other hand, I broke hand, your fall. I broke you your on the fall. other hand, we're not doing too well. <laughs> I broke your fall, buddy. You broke my fall. Okay, there almost you go. broke my hip. Woo! John, I think this fight, this next fight, Roman Feraldo versus Levon Chokele, unbelievable, has the, has the potential to be fight of the night. Both of these and, guys are strikers. Both of them are fast. Look, Feraldo has never been out of the second round. Five fights, five fights in Bellator, five knockouts. One well, went no, to the second round. Out of his eight fights, I believe all of them have been knockouts except yeah. for one. So seven yeah, knock, seven by knockouts, right? Or yeah. all of them by knockout? Yeah, all I think all, I think all, all of them all. by knockout. Yeah, the kid's got he's, power. He's he's been he's been on watch. he's been on the ESPN t- uh, perform. What is Dude, it? He Top calls 10? out. He, he actually called one of them. He sits there, he hurts the opponent, looks at him, goes, uh, and flying knee, boom, does it. Look, yeah. he's he's tough. He's, he's got fast. one, two. He's got power. Sorry, sorry, Josh. No, he's got I'm two flying knee knockouts. Yep. Yeah, he's got two flying knee knockouts. Can you make that bigger for me, bud? I got I got contacts in, guys, so I can actually <laughs> read a little bit now. I went out and got him. I'm waiting for my, my, uh, my glasses to come in. So, yeah, I mean, out of all of these, got TKO, KO, TKO by elbows, flying knee knockout, TKO by punches, KO uh, by flying knee knockout, TKO punches, and then KO by punches. The guy is good. He's got power in his hands. He'll, yes. He likes to dance. He's all fun of to these watch. Fight, none of these fights have gone outside the second round. Impressive. And if Impressive. You, look, you look at his opponent in Chokley, stand-up guy. Loves to be in the stand-up, has power. You know, has ended most of his fights through knockouts. Coming into Bellator, he's had some problems. He, you know, he faced his first fight was Kyle Kretschmer, who out wrestled yeah. him, took him to the ground, and dominated him on the ground as far as positioning and everything. But he's a guy. If you're looking at you know the excitement of fights, this thing could just be unbelievable. Someone, in my opinion, is going to sleep. I don't see it going the three rounds. Yeah, I don't see this fight going the three rounds. I see someone going to sleep. I think Feraldo's going to continue on that path. I'm not saying that he's going to win this fight. I'm saying he's going to continue on the path of trying to get guys out of there. Yep. And I think Chokely is going to be the same thing. He's fast. He's elusive with his striking. He will switch stance. He will throw his combinations. He's fun to watch. If you guys are going to tune in to Bellator, make sure you guys tune in for that first fight of the night yep. that's going to be on the, on the showtime. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Uh, is there any other fights on this card you want to talk about? There's, the like, there's there's some great fights in this on this card and some mm-hmm. people that you know a lot of people are not going to know of, but uh, Lucas Brennan against Nick Talavera is a great fight. Talk about two guys, great on the ground, unbelievable. If you're looking for that grappling match, this thing could be awesome. Um, the other one, if you're looking at Jay Raddick against Sullivan Cully, that could be a great fight. Both guys are strong. Both guys got good wrestling. Both guys have good hands. You know, that should be a great light heavyweight matchup. So I'm going to go with Archie Colgan, top-level wrestler. Very good. Really yep. good boxing. He's putting it together really well. Uh, his last fight, he didn't really utilize his his uh, wrestling at all a couple times, but really got to work on the feet. Looked phenomenal looked in good, Seattle. Though. He looked great in Seattle. He looked comfortable on his feet. Was letting it go. Great job by him. This is another fight that I think has the potential to be fun. But the way that these two guys have been fighting as of lately, 
They're not showing all the skills they have. Jalen Bates and Jornel Lugo. That, that fight's not on there. That's been pulled. Oh, it's off now? So that, yep. It's off? <clears throat> right, Don't even so have that, to worry about it. That fight, that fight to me, I was like, wow, this could be a really good fight because they're could both be a great fight. fighters. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that fight being remade. If I'm going to come down here any further, uh, Laird Anderson is from San Jose. Young kid. His dad is uh, Lowell Anderson. That Lowell Anderson. In the UFC. His yep. other, his brother also is a really good fighter. He's young and up and coming. Laird is, uh, 2 0. I actually used to coach him when he was a kid, when he was younger than he is now. <laughs> so he was about, I want to say 12, 13 years old. Phenomenal, very respectful, very talented when it comes to the wrestling jitsu. His dad, I believe, was the first Hickson black belt in the States. No. Or was it what? No, who, it, 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 uh, Lowell was actually with Horian and Hoist. Okay. And uh, when I met him, he was a purple belt. Okay. He'd been there for a while, and that was probably back in 91, 92. And, so uh, when he fought in the UFC, he was a black belt. He was a black belt. But he had got it from? He got got it from Horion. Okay. So his, his dad, they own, now I think they have their own little gym here um, yeah. just right down the road. And uh, they got a great little group of uh, young fighters coming up. So I'm excited to see. Uh, I've seen him fight a couple times. He looks phenomenal. He's looking to see him grow. He's a grinder. He's a goer. He's in phenomenal shape. So looking forward to seeing him fight. Yeah. Um, let me see. Anybody else on here that I'm missing? Yeah, you got Isa- Isaiah Hokett. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable wrestler. Got a oh yeah, lot of potential. Came into you know the sport. Got knocked out right away. Happens yeah. when you're that wrestler, and all of a sudden you're dipping your head in. But yeah. there is a lot of potential there. He's one and one. He came back, got a nice win. We're going to see what he does in this fight. Scroll up one more, n- number 10. So my, I've, ne- I've never met him. At least I don't recall meeting him. But he's an, he's a, yeah, he's an AKA yeah. guy. Yes. So he's 8-0. I-, I have never trained with him. He's an AKA guy. All I've heard is great things about he's him. He's good. I, ha- I haven't looked him up. I haven't Boy, seen. I can't believe you don't know about him because, man, I'm telling you. He's good. He has got a lot of talent. He's good everywhere. His stand-up is clean. His wrestling is outstanding. You know, he's got submissions. Um, he's going against a guy in Sean Fallon who's got a lot of lot of uh, experience. Is good, very tough, very durable. But Aliyev, he's freaking good. I- all I've heard is great things. I've never, like I said, I've never got the opportunity to see him train. I've never seen him uh, spar, grapple, anything. I haven't seen him fight. I do know that everyone keeps buzzing about him, so there must be good things about him. So I'm expecting big things from him. Um, He's one of those guys that I, you know, when we were doing back, you know, background and looking at things and watching fights. Sometimes you have to watch fights on guys. And you go, eh, yeah, eh. and then you watch one. And you go, oh. Oh, this yeah. guy's good. It becomes a whole lot easier to do your job. But that's how I felt about uh, Tamur K- Kiziev. That's how I felt about him. I, yeah. I started looking him up, and I'm like, all right, let's see what he's got. Started moving, saw his speed, saw the way he was right. switching, and do. I was like, holy shit! Exactly. Those type of things. So get it makes me it easy to say, motivated. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll watch him again. Oh, I'll watch him, and you and you end up watching six of yeah. his fights, and you go, God dang, he's good. Well, John, I told the story earlier, man. I went to open the door at that shoot box gym, and I'm hearing the crowd, the, 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 the pads just crack, you never crack, know. crack, crack, crack. never know. And you never know. And this is this goes back to what we've said for the longest time. There's fighters that have never even been discovered that were oh, probably yeah. maybe will never be discovered that were fucking the pride that could have been the best in the world. Mm-hmm. They're out there. They're, 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 they, maybe they've never found their way to the UFC or Bellator or one. 
whatever it is, they never had their opportunity, but they're probably some of the reasons. best in the world. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk, which is in Chicago this Friday, right? This Friday. We're Friday. I'm getting all confused. Friday. We're going from Friday to Saturday. Perfect. Saturday I love it. Friday. Friday. Got the UFC on Saturday. I'm going to be Life honest, man. I'm going to be honest, John. I loved when we were on CBS Sports because we were on Thursday. Thursday. That was great. <laughs> it was so great. We were home by the weekend. It oh, perfect. it was great. I Made loved my it. life easy. All right. All right. All right. All right. So that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. Dave, you got some news for us. I know there's a lot yeah. that we have to talk about. Yes. You guys, so we, um, you guys strap yeah. in, dude. We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be about a two, two and a half hour long show. And we're <laughs> just going to just get into this. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. So. Uh, this past weekend, UFC 281 in Madison Square Garden uh, marked 29 years uh, since the launch of the UFC. So yeah, why I did the UFC really... put up that thing that said 30 years? Did you see um, that, Josh? Yeah, they're, they're going into their 30th year, I guess. So is, I'm going into my 30th year? Maybe that's they're just letting you know they're, that's their logo for the 30th year one. I don't okay, know, got it. Yeah, remember when you're going to tell me you're going to ask me. I remember when I, they did the 25. You're you're going to ask me if I know what the fuck the UFC is thinking. Seriously? Is that what you just did? <laughs> like, yeah, you, can you tell me what Dana White is thinking? I don't nope. know. I, I don't, don't know. know. Go ahead. So anyway, I want to give John the opportunity just to kind of uh, um, reflect on Riff. it. If there's anything he wants Riff. to say about it. Um, Campbell McLaren. John had put oh, a tweet. Oh, good old um, Campbell. Don't know if you saw this. He said, 20, 29 years ago today, I launched the UFC oh, after the tremendous controversy and success my no rules marketing caused. I was forced out by the old owners. Then Dana White and the Fertitas saw the potential swept in and built an empire. Happy birthday, UFC. <laughs> okay. I love the ability of people throughout the years to try to rewrite history and make themselves part of something that, look, I'm going to tell you right now, Campbell McLaren was part of the UFC, no doubt about it. I'll tell you the entire story if you want. But to sit there and say, I launched the UFC, what the fuck is Why do people lie, Josh? Why? Why is it that they want me to come on and do a podcast or an interview where I have to say, no? You didn't launch it. Somebody else did. You were part of it. I will say exactly what you did. I'll give you credit. But why do you have to say you're something that you're not? John, Crazy. It, it, the profile it, does say cool. As I, as oh, I've I know it learned, does. As I've learned later on in, in getting older is that your memory is some not, sometimes not the same. And so... <laughs> I don't know, John. My memory is all right. Let me ask you this. Okay, let me just let me let me put this one little bit out there for you. So, Josh, if you were a co-founder or a co-creator of the UFC or a business, would you not be someone if the, if you're the creator, wouldn't you be someone that was an owner in it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, John. <laughs> Come on. Here's the I, truth. I'm going to put it out there so everyone knows, and you can sit there with all the BS. Art Davey. You got a picture of Art Davey, Dave? Yeah, Art Davey was the guy. Okay? That's Art Davey. All right? All the, the, the pomp and service, the stupid hat he wears. I love him. But, and, I, and I've had my problems with Art in stuff that he did because Art did some stuff 
against the UFC once he was kicked out. And it was his. He was the guy that started this whole thing. But what occurred was Art was a marketing guy. And he had this whole, he was doing a thing with Dos Equis Beer, I believe it was. And he had this thing about who is the toughest man in the world? Who would win in a fight if it was any kind of fighting and stuff? And he heard about Horian Gracie. He heard about Horian Gracie through Playboy magazine, which I understand why Art was looking at Playboy magazine. Okay. And there was this article and the article was called Bad, B-A-D. And it talked about Horian Gracie and his family and that they would fight anybody and that they had this $100,000 challenge. Well, Art had this whole concept on, I want to do this tournament that brings in fighters from different styles and we're going to see who the best fighter is. He goes to Horian. Horian basically says, now we don't do things the way you're, you're wanting to do them. That's not something I'm interested in. Basically, they end up kind of doing, you know, going a little separate ways. But Art comes back and actually does the marketing for it. Did you ever see the Gracie in action tapes? No. Josh, never saw the Gracie in action tapes? What is wrong with you? What, you they on? are. You have got to be kidding me. The Gracie in action tapes had all of this footage with Horion being the narrator of all these old fights. Were they like, on like a reel? Like one of those ones oh, yeah, that you wind up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they in black and white, John? Oh, yeah. Some of them. And, you know, they had <laughs> they had fights from Hicks and Gracie against Zulazino. They had fights, you know, of Valiz Ishmael and Mur uh, Murillo Bustamante and all these different guys, you know, from uh, an event that happened in Rio. And it was really cool. They, they were great. And it was all about building Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Well, Art was the one that marketed it for him. And because it worked, then Horian would start to listen to Art and said, all right, what's this fighting thing you want to do? And they started coming together with it. Art was the one doing all the work. Horian really was what Art was using to get recognition. He was using Horian's name, the Gracie name, and the reputation to try to get people to say, okay, this thing has some legs. And eventually, after getting everything together and stuff, he then had to go and find a pay-per-view channel to put it on. And he went to, at the time, I think there was, there was HBO, there was Prime Ticket. There was all these, you know, other, you know, ways of uh, doing pay-per-view. They all turned him down. He ends up with a meeting with Semaphore Entertainment Group, SEG. The guy who took the meeting was Campbell McLaren. And Campbell McLaren loved the idea. So Campbell McLaren takes that and brings it to his boss, the owner of SEG, a guy named Bob Myrowitz, who doesn't know anything about fighting. If you listen to him talk, you know, it's all about, oh, I had this friend. No, you didn't. But so <laughs> Campbell brings it to Bob. Bob says, if you think it could be something, then let's, you know, let's try to work it out. They finally, you know, it takes all the way up to the event, basically, for them to sign the contract for this thing to actually be put on to pay-per-view. They do the event, and the event, they expect, they're hoping, at $14.95 a buy, they're hoping to get 25,000 buys. That's a home run. They get 87,000. And the UFC is born and takes off. Now, the second one 
was when Camel McLaren and what he's talking about when he says his uh, marketing, he goes on Good Morning America with Jim Brown and he gives the line of the fights can end by knockout, submission, or even death. That was the line that he gave and that's what the media ran with. That's what the politicians ran with. From that day, I, you know, I created, you know, I, I talked to Campbell and said, you know, you were a fucking moron for saying that. He goes, no, it was the greatest thing ever, you know? And, and, and I understand his point of it. Yeah. And I understand my point of it is I had to be the guy who had to fight against those words that he said. I had to prove those words wrong when people were saying, but your own guys are saying them. So Campbell eventually, you know, he stayed, he stayed as someone working for Semaphore for a while. In fact, I will give him total credit. Campbell McLaren is the reason that Joe Rogan is with the UFC. Campbell McLaren hired Joe Rogan to be a back room uh, reporter, interviewer at UFC 12. Wow. And that was the end for Campbell McLaren. At that point, he was let go. And obviously, Joe has stayed stayed with it for a little bit longer, you know. But uh, look, Campbell did. Campbell's part of the reason that the UFC went on to pay per view because he believed in it and he took it to his boss. To say that you're the co-founder, no, you put you put no skin into it as far as you didn't put your money, you didn't you weren't got you had to bring it to someone who was your boss that then gave it the okay. So co-creator. Co-founder, no. Art Davies, the guy that he's the guy that created it. He brings in Horian Gracie, who gives him his name and reputation that he used. And Bob Meyerowitz, the owner of Semaphore, was the one that put his money behind it. That's the truth of the story. That's there a lot go. being said, John. Sorry. Let me ask you this though, because you said what he said on Good Morning America. Did that make it? I know it made it more difficult in terms of getting it licensed or what? What is it called? Uh, yeah, licensed in states. Getting I it regulated. That. Getting it. Getting accepted. it regulated. It did all those things. It ruined. It, it made it very difficult nationwide to get it regulated. Yeah. That being said, though, those type of words catapulted it across the nation for people to spark their interest. So it was a. It was one of those any media is good media. In that situation, but it proved to be, it proved to cause a lot it was of problematic. You it was problematic, but it was also great headlines. Oh, it was great headlines, but it was headlines that, see, Campbell McLaren never had to be in court. Campbell McLaren never had to testify in any of the court battles that we had, yeah. but it was always his words that were being thrown in my face when I was up on the stand that I had to then explain and beat down based upon marketing. Look at the whole thing of marketing with there are no rules. Mm -hmm. Two men enter, one man leaves. Those are all words. But as soon as you said someone could win by death, mm. it's, it's, it, it, it takes it from sporting yeah. and completely puts it into a separate category. I got it. I understand what you're saying. I was just playing devil's advocate in that little yeah. quick scenario there. I mean, because I, I was looking at, like, would the UFC have gained more legs? Or however, however you want to put it. Uh, 
you got to figure, had, like had I said, said 25, like 25 was what they wanted before yeah. that whole statement. They got 87, and then the second show, you know, obviously the second show did more than the 87,000. So could it have, you know, gotten someone's interest? Possibly. But it was yeah. already doing well. Got it. Yeah, I mean, shit, some of the pay-per-views now don't even do that. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. 500,000 per, baby. 500,000 yeah, per. Guaranteed 500,000. All right, next. There's All right. a little history for you guys. There's a little history for you guys history. in the sport of MMA. A little bit. Got R. Davy in that fucking hat, though. Come oh, on. you got to love that hat. Look, come on, look at the jack. The commish. Who okay, is if, Go ahead. Who's that girl down there, though, with him in that red jacket? That's that's what I want to know. Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Oh, He'd like to know, too. One uh, just, just assessing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just trying to be... Uh, what's the playboy guy's Oof. name again? Just what are we looking for? Anyway. All right, so... Throughout UFC 281 this past weekend, we had two, not one, but two major fights announced for the fight card in Perth, Australia uh, oh, in February. Uh, the first one, the biggest one, of course, we had the official confirmation of Islam Akachev versus Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, let's hear early takes on this one. Oh, we don't have to listen to Josh this day. I don't have to because, say anything. Because we, what he's going to say. He's going to get smashed. Okay? That's what he's going to say about Volkanovsky in this. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, let's just be honest. Is it likely, John? <laughs> Don't even have to answer that, John. <laughs> I think so everyone I gotta got what you I got to take the other side here, man. Everyone on, got what you were about there, to say. There they has to be balance. <laughs> Look, if the, if the one thing I am going to say is this. Volkanovsky is as good a fighter as you're going to find. He is tough. He proved that in the Brian Ortega fight, how tough he is. He does not quit. He will not give in. Uh, he is fast. He has got good takedown defense. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to stop everything. If Makachev gets into the body locks, it will not be a good thing for him. But you got to look and you say, with everybody they have in the lightweight division, you know, and there's guys that you could put right now, Dustin Poirier, could be a matchup for Makachev as far as he deserves it. No, he deserves it. Oh yeah, no, he deserves it. He deserves it. And there are, you know, there's some people that you can put into that, you know, position to say, hey, he deserves that fight. Volkanovsky, you got to say he deserves the fight. This is a great matchup. It's weird that you have someone like Volkanovsky who has done so much in the featherweight, but Islam, he just won that title. But there's so much respect for his skill set and who he is as a fighter based upon what he's done, how people don't want to fight him. You know, and so now everyone's gonna to want to fight him, just like we talked about, you know, he's the champion. He will not have a problem finding some people wanting to fight him now. And Volkanovsky wants to take that shot. And I don't blame Volkanovsky for it. He's saying that it's the lightweight title for the pound for pound title. I can't wait for this one. I can think I can I can say that if anyone deserves a title shot against Islam or for the upper belt, it's definitely Volkanovski. Yeah. I look at all the other fighters that are in those divisions. You know, Izzy went up and he came up short. You know, outside of that, I would say just Volk. There's no really no one else that I can see or deserving to go up. I mean, Kamaru Usman, I would say, but he never wanted to go up to fight Izzy, so he left it as is, and he stayed at you know at 185 or sorry 170. 170. Yeah. In this scenario. 
I can say all the positive things about Volkanovski, and I, I think he definitely deserves to have this fight. I think he's definitely talented. I think he's one of the best fighters to ever step inside that cage. He, to me, is someone that he's made so many big-time adjustments to really gain the respect of so many top-level fighters. What he did to Max Holloway when Max Holloway was considered to be unbeatable. What he did to a lot of these fighters. A lot of these top-level fighters made it look almost average. He fought through some adversity in that Brian Ortega fight after winning the was winning the rounds. Like he he understands what it takes to be a champion. I agree with all of those things. I just don't think he has a chance. And that's it. Like okay. I, I don't and it's not and I'm not trying to take a dig at him at all. I, I actually really I really love watching him fight. Love I would like to see him. I would love to see him go through Yair. I'd like to see him go through uh Josh Emmett and uh Arnold Allen. He's got more guys to fight in his weight class. I don't want to see him lose before beating those guys because a loss could hinder your confidence a little bit and he's going to have to put some weight on and then getting your weight back down and adjusting your body back to that. It's there's a lot that goes into this. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to go up because I can. It's not like that. You, you need time. We saw what happened to Max when he went up to 80. He ain't got a lot of time. No. And that's the thing. He doesn't have a lot of time. We saw what happened to Max Holloway when he went up to, to fight Dustin and mm -hmm. Dustin had been there for a fight or two. And so he'd under like Dustin had put the weight on properly. Dustin's always been kind of a bigger guy. I trained with him when he was at 45 when he was at Frankie Edgar's at one time. I was like, damn, you're huge. Max is a bigger guy too, but you have to get your body used to that. I don't think this is enough time. And I know that he has been a rugby player. I know he's had the weight on before. I know he knows what he's, if you, I follow him on social. This guy, he knows how to, his nutrition, he handles all of his own nutrition. He's a fucking phenomenal nutritionist. He understands what it takes to get his weight down. He understands what it takes to put the weight on properly. Yep. I just think skill set wise, where he lacks are all the areas that Islam is strong. The jiu-jitsu and the wrestling. That's where he lacks. The speed, I think, will he'll have the speed advantage. He has the speed. I, yeah, no, he'll he'll have the speed advantage, absolutely. But I also think the height advantage in terms of him being able to get there and reach up that high. You know, Islam's not a small, he's not a short guy. He's borderline six foot, 5'11", six foot. He's mm -hmm. not 5'8", he's not 5'9", he's not 5'10". He's borderline six foot, you know? And so, and everyone bragged on me about, you know, oh, his stand-up, he's going to get knocked out when it was Oliveira. His stand-up is good. And I've said this to you guys for the longest time. No one believed me. No one believed me that he was a good grappler. And everyone thought, oh, yeah, sure, he's a great wrestler. All he can do is wrestler. But his jiu-jitsu is not that good. I've seen him. And I'm like, I've heard about him getting tapped at, at Henzel's. Have you not seen who's in Henzel's rooms, by the way? Henzel and John Danaher have some of the best fucking grapplers in the world. And so if he <laughs> lost a round or two, okay, my bad. But I look at Volkanovski. And I look at the Brian Ortega fight. And I say, he just, Islam just submitted the best grappler who's considered to be the best submission guy in the UFC. Yeah. And, and Volkanovski's not at that level. He's good. No. He's a talented fighter. He'll fight through submissions. We saw that with Brian Ortega. Saw it in the triangle, and we saw it in the guillotine. Yep. But this is a different level. It's a different level of grappling and wrestling. And that's the thing. And I, I don't want to see him lose because I want to see him fight those three guys with the confidence he has right now. I don't want to see him. I want. I don't want to. I don't want a labored Volkanovski. I want the best fucking Volkanovski that's that's going to be out there, and that confidence that he brings with him every single time, which you can lose some of that. Going in, coming in after a loss. I don't want to see that guy. I want to see the best one fight those other three guys. That's all. Okay.
I can't Next. wait. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, I can't wait either. But it just it makes me nervous every time the boys fight. <laughs> I'll be a fucking wreck again. All right. Josh Go Emmett ahead. taking on Yair Rodriguez for the interim featherweight. Since Volkanovski is going to be fighting at lightweight they're going to go with an interim i wasn't too keen on the interim but i love this fight i think it's a great fight uh rodriguez has just looked fantastic in his last couple even though he did lose to max holloway he was looking really good the leg kicks were outstanding until he got you know a little bit busted up his foot was really uh swollen after that but josh emmett's got a ton of power he's got wrestling but he doesn't really use it that much Yair's gotten better with his defensive wrestling. This is a great matchup. It is the power against precision. Yeah, I, I like Josh Emmett a lot. I think he's a fantastic fighter. He's got the power. He is getting a little bit older. Uh, he's got some wrestling. Will his wrestling be enough to hold Yair down if he tries to take him down? Will he even try to wrestle because he doesn't want to make himself too tired against a younger fighter? Somebody who just throws stuff wildly and crazily from different crazily. That's not know if that's a word. Yeah, <laughs> Wild crazily. and crazy. He dry he he throws some crazy stuff from all different angles. This is Yair's fight to lose, I think, in yeah, all aspects. He's got to keep his he's got to keep his chin tucked. He's got to avoid that big shot. And I think the way he mixes this up with that calf kick and that body kick. And just going from the head to the striking, but those kicks are so nasty and so fast and so accurate. I don't, I don't know how Josh Emmett's gonna be able to get this fight done unless he gets this fight to the ground and just dominates that top position and works for some sort of submission. He's got to take that Frankie Edgar approach against Yair. Wrestle him, control him. Who was him, the last guy to stop Yair? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't realize that. I didn't last realize person that. to stop him. Not the, not the last person to get a win against him, but definitely the last person to stop him. Wow. Hold on, I pull mean, that up. I believe I'm right with that. It should be a good fight. It should be good. It's, it really comes down to how does Josh Emmett handle those kicks and yeah. his speed and his ability to mix it up. Yeah. It's a matter of, and this is why I said this is power versus precision. Yair creates a lot of problems based upon He's very elusive. He's tough to hit. He comes. He hits you at a, with a lot of things that you don't see coming. Pull up Yair Rodriguez. Sorry, that's what I I realized I was on mute because my kid was making a noise out there. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you said yeah, you're right. So you, yeah, pull up Yair. And yeah, he lost a unanimous decision. Frankie Edgar, exactly. Okay, stoppage. Last person to stop him. Look at that. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just look at it. It's a great matchup. I do think that it like exactly what you're saying. This is Yair's fight to lose. It's not that, you know, Josh, uh, that he's not a good fighter. He is. He's got power, but he is getting a little bit older at 145. Speed is a huge thing. And mm -hmm. the older you get, Unfortunately, we do slow down a little bit. So this is his moment. He's got to he, he's got to put everything he has into this. This is not going to be an easy win. He can definitely get it, and he, that the power that he possesses is always an equalizer. I just look at it that in this fight, I think Yair is going to be your favorite. 
All right. Well, what's next, Dave? That's actually going to wrap us up for this show. All right. Actually, two hour long show. Actually, it's not going to wrap us up. Uh I have one. I have one more thing. We didn't talk about this um, after the pay per view, John. There was a huge hiccup. And I believe it was the first fight of the night in the female fight that I didn't get a chance to see. But apparently they couldn't tally up what 30 plus scoring. (laughs) That was the, uh, oh my God, it was, uh, I can't remember. Can you pull up the fight card? Argentinian girl. Um, So, not that one. Look, I'm not great at math, so I'm not someone to criticize. Okay. But (laughs) let's let's explain this this down for us. You know, a lot of people put more onto this than there really was. This was Gomez Juarez against Carolina uh, Kovacic. If you look at it, Kovacic, what occurred is when the judges are sitting there, they have a scorecard. They fill out the scorecard. The scorecard is handed to the runner that picks it up, goes around, and puts it on the score scorekeeper's table. There's a person that this is their job is to put the scores down. They do. They put them down. Once the whole fight's over, they get that last set, the third set on since the three round fight, third set of scorecards, they put it all down. What occurs is then you have Bruce Buffer or if it's Michael C. Williams or if it's Joe Martinez or whoever is, you know, your announcer always goes over to that table. And they look to get the the you know judges' decision. They look to get the scores of the judges. You know, if they were, you know, 30, 27, 29, 28, 28, 28, whatever it's gonna be, going in whoever's direction. But they want that information because that's gonna set up what they do for their job in, you know, we have a split decision, you know, judge so and so sees the score 29, 28, and they'll call out Kovalkavish. All right. Well, what occurred is when Bruce is sitting there, the person is writing the stuff down and they put the scores of Gomez, Juarez, and Kovalkiewicz. They switched them. So they put Kovalkiewicz's scores into Gomez, Juarez's bracket, which would have made Bruce read the score of a unanimous decision win of 29-28 for Gomez Juarez. That was your mistake. It had nothing to do with, oh, they couldn't add or anything. They switched the columns. Why? Hey, people make mistakes. It wasn't that it has nothing to do with the judges at all. It's just the scorekeeper at that table. For whatever reason, they made that mistake. So when you see the guy going in there, that's the guy who is sitting there and he's taking and he's switching those scores to make them right on that score sheet. It doesn't look good, uh, but there was nothing done that was, oh, they're, you know, they, they don't know how to, how to, you know, add or anything like that. No, they know how to add. They don't know what column to put it in. And, and that's where they made their mistake. Well, I figured it we'd let you good. give some insight on that because we didn't talk about it and I, I think it was something that needed to be talked about. Just understanding what it didn't goes on look now. good. Now, Never it doesn't, does. It doesn't look good. But then again, does. John, let's and some backtrack and some history, which I'm not going to give the fight. But how many fights have we been a part of, or we've seen or known that 
they've read the wrong scorecards Absolutely. and the commission, the commission hasn't come back and fixed it. They That's knew what right. they did wrong and they just left it as is. And now, and I, this is, I'm going to take this opportunity. Like that is some coward ass shit by the commissions to do that. They need yeah, to but fix that. You need to also point out New York. Yes. You made a mistake in that that occurred, Yeah, but you fixed it. Yeah. And I love that. You fixed it and you made it right. I love and that. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's, that's the most important thing. And I have seen a couple times where these commissions have not, and they let that fighter walk away thinking they won, and the other fighter walk away with half thinking, their purse or a quarter of their lost. purse, and just coward bullshit. That shit drives me nuts. But in the back, they'll come and say, hey, we need you to know this was done wrong, and they'll switch it. But everybody well, Sometimes they the don't, audience, though, John. Sometimes oh, they dude, don't. Yeah. Don't even talk to me about that. That's, That's what horrible. I'm talking about. Yeah. Sometimes they won't. And I and I think in a, like in commissions, you've got to do better. Absolutely, you guys have just got to do better. And it like everyone everyone wants to blame the judges, everyone wants to blame the refs. Well, sometimes the commissions know. We got to oh, do yeah. better. Just period yeah. for the sport and for the fighters. A lot of these fighters, that may cost them their opportunity to keep fighting and that may cost them making their rent for the next 6 months. See, a mortgage. As, as much as you look at it, and you, and this is what people don't understand is, this is what pressure does. And although, when you're sitting at home, it means nothing. You know, it doesn't seem like there should be yeah. pressure, but when you're that person, there is pressure. It's self-induced. No one is standing over you, going, "Hey, you got to get this done, get it done, get it done." But it's a self-induced pressure that you're you're doing something. And you know, and I, I would talk to commissions all the time about. You know, you see referees that are in there and you're putting them in a fight that is a big fight in their mind. You know, it's the first time that they've done a UFC. It's the first time that they've done a, a fight on the main card. And you look at that person and you see the self-induced pressure. You mm -hmm. see their heart rate is raised. And that's when mistakes are made. And it's, you know, a matter of, you know, you, you hope as the commission, you're putting someone there that you believe can handle that, not you know, put that self-induced pressure there, but it always can happen, and, and that's what happened. But they fixed it, and so you know, with New York, I want to say, great job, you guys. You know, took care of it. It didn't look good, especially it doesn't look good when the commentators are saying, "What's going on here? What's going on?" You know, it's like that doesn't help, but yeah. they don't know what's going on. All right, well, hey, that's going to wrap up our show. If this is your first time listening to our show. Hopefully, we didn't let you down. Hopefully, you hit that subscribe button. Hopefully, you hit the thumbs up and the bell to get the notifications. We also have a link down below that will take you to our shorts page, which is another YouTube channel that we run that we do just all short clips on, different, different, some different shows on there, some different quality stuff that we do as well. Just everything that's not from this live show. I know... Some clips channels, what they do is they do short clips from their main, which we do as well. We also add in a couple other things that you won't see on this on this show. So bonus that subscribe. Coverage. Bonus, bonus coverage. That's the word. John, see, there that's why go, we have baby. you here is the big that's words. It. Bonus. The word bonus. So we have extra content. There you go. Extra content. It's actually in the name. Um, <laughs> so we have extra content on that channel. Hit the, hit the link down below. That'll take you there. Hit the subscribe button and the notifications on there. Uh, go to WayneInPodcast.com, pick up some of our merch uh, available on there. We've got sweatshirts. We've also got our Hindsight is 50-50 by Josh Thompson. And we've got the hashtag and still available with some coffee mugs, long sleeves, hoodies, all that stuff coming up for cold weather because John is in Tennessee where it's below zero and he's freezing his ass off. 
freaking cold. It's not below zero, but it's freezing. Yeah. So, John, why don't you wrap this show up and we can get moving on? I hope you all enjoyed what we talked about. I hope you enjoyed the history lesson on how the UFC was actually who started it and who created it. For everyone out there, please do us a favor. Watch the fights. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy all fights. And we will see you.